The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. You're listening to Pure Rock Radio. Feed your addiction. Yeah, this is Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage, and you're listening to Radioactive Metal, and also Wrestling Night in Canada, Nasty Ronnie, right here. Welcome to Radioactive Metal. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a Get in the Ring, motherfucker! Episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 651. And I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. And dear listeners, this episode, like all of our episodes, is brought to you by the fine folks at True Cult Coffee. T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T coffee.com. The most metal, hot, dark, coffee whatever i totally blew my own thing that's out there and hopefully this june i will get to meet mr coffee bean Oculta in person because he's supposed to journey down this way to the south um rumors about an incantation people rising from the dead we'll we'll know in july but <laughs> true cult coffee t-r-v-e-k-v-l-t coffee.com subscribe today and not only will you not run out of coffee but you'll get not one, but two great bands every month. So, True Cult Coffee, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T Coffee.com. Snowman, what's happening? Well, you might think I'm on about five cups of True Cult Coffee right now because I'm psyched, I'm hyped, I'm, you know, I'm ready to rock and roll, rock and roll and styling and profiling because we, not only do we have one hell of a creature feature tonight a bucket list interview that i've had wanted to have this gentleman on for a hell of a long time but we are so stoked so excited to have in studio with us two really good friends of the show and of the shining wizards network and two just all around great guys two guys that i know i would take a bullet for we are talking about Mr. Ducky, Dustin Ruka, and Mr. Matt Copper from uh, my other 
radio broadcast podcast whatever you want to call it wrestling night in canada but i want to do this properly first of all now aaron we you will have already you already know our good buddy ducky dustin here he's been on the show and i've had him on various segments over over a while now say hi hello <laughs> okay <laughs> put some oomph into that man <laughs> oh, how are you guys doing tonight there we go come there on this go. is a wrestling podcast tonight i need to hear some over the top stuff that's right that's right but i do not believe um up until this moment aaron you've had any really sort of any communication with my good buddy and co-host over on the other show, Mr. Matt Copper. So, Aaron, this is Matt. Matt, this is Aaron. I'm so stoked that you guys are finally able to chat. Whoa, crossover. Whoa. <laughs> See, there we go. There we go. That's better. There we are. And I would just like to point what is out. this place? <laughs> Where are we? What's it's perfect. That's that's what I wanted. That's what I needed. That's good. Cool. There, there we are. There we are. There. Who we are. are you, people? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And of course, all of our longtime listeners or regular listeners of Radioactive Metal, you'll hear us every uh, every week, kind of uh, pushing Wrestling Night in Canada as we uh, as we wind down that show. Well, these are the two gentlemen that I also go out. And hang out with and talk a uh, take and talk some pro wrestling because um, and the idea of having them on now <clears throat> and talking about wrestling on this show is because it's WrestleMania season and that always means where interest in pro wrestling is always at its highest and now more than ever. Okay, there is a really strong, you see, that was a very prophetic word, Matt, when you said crossover, because <laughs> there is a very strong connection between aggressive music and the wonderful world of pro wrestling. And all that. That's actually kind of how Wrestling Night in Canada all came, uh, came to, to being, because, yeah, because we're three guys from the same Winnipeg metal scene that kind of got together through the love of pro wrestling and now almost a year later no it's been about a year how how long have we been doing wrestling night in canada guys uh we recorded the first episode after the royal rumble last year so it's been about 16 months wow yeah holy shit already <laughs> yeah wow. that flies when you can't leave the house or does it i don't know yeah this, this whole year it. yeah this whole year has felt like a a month and a decade all at once. Yep. It's just, it's been fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So if it's not for Wicked Podcasts and Wicked Program that you will hear on Pure Rock Radio and on the Shining Wizards Network and all that, like I would just, I I, I would go batty this past year. It's just, yeah, no doubt. it's just been absolutely brutal. So um, it's always good to have to have those escapes like like the wonderful world of heavy metal and pro wrestling and all that. So maybe to get uh, get our listeners just to give some idea of who you guys are and what you do and all of that wicked stuff. Um maybe just off the top of the hop here um what did you guys discover first? Like 
was was it pro wrestling or was it was it heavy metal uh for me it was pro wrestling like just before okay it was it all like uh, my yeah i discovered pro wrestling in the attitude era like right in the thick of it when everybody at uh in middle school was wearing austin 316 or dx shirts to school and i was like <laughs> what are these <laughs> and everybody it to me and yeah i watched an episode of raw back then when you know that was a a thing that you could brag about and right. yeah and then i was like well i'm hooked and yeah not long after that uh, some of the same people showed me the band uh corn and that kind of was my gateway into the world of heavy music right yeah that seems to be like we're we're definitely like you're how old are you now you're in your early 30s now mid mid 30s 35 35 in june okay and aaron and i we're gonna be we're both gonna be 50 soon and like when when you said corn i immediately because i know you to enjoy more aggressive music Mm -hmm. and then then you said gateway and it's like oh yeah okay i can understand like new metal and you being the gateway for your generation i was 12 like, don't, right. Don't... <laughs> right right well when we discovered metal like our our gateway was what aaron van halen def leppard i'm trying to i think for me it was really kiss like once okay. I, once i discovered kiss that was my gateway to everything ah yeah. and you're still the biggest kiss mark on hell them. yes <laughs> yeah yeah no that was one of the very first bands and one of the very first records i ever owned was was kisses rock and roll over as well so yeah yeah um what about you ducky what did you discover first oh i was like four i don't remember um <laughs> it was probably well all that would play in the house anyway was like crew and leopard and ozzy Right. Speakers, yep. anyway. So probably that. But then Mum showed me wrestling on TV one day, and I guess I was hooked. Yeah, I was like four or five. Uh-huh. And gotcha. now I've and now I've seen Ozzy and Crew and Leopard and. Right. Right. So, right. And Corn. I've seen Corn. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Aaron, like, okay, you're not a pro wrestling fan, but thanks a lot for coming out and joining us anyways. We really appreciate it. I'm an extremely casual fan. Uh, (laughs) Okay, what was your earliest remembrance, like, the first, you first laid eyes on the world of pro wrestling? Do you remember? So it was WWF, and it would have been during the British Bulldogs era. Okay. Like, so British Bulldogs, obviously, you know, Hulkamania, um, Andre the Giant, the Iron Sheik. Um, damn it. There was one other one I was trying to remember. Now I can't. I lost it. Well, I have um, a good idea. But, like, you know, all those dudes. Okay. The Golden Era. I think that's called now. Oh, my goodness. Now <laughs> I feel really old. The Golden yeah. Era. The Golden Era. Fuck. Perfect. One. <laughs> When I was a kid, like the golden era was like Gorgeous George and Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? Like, holy shit, man, what are you doing? So I guess yeah, then Aaron, you would have discovered music first, obviously. Well, I feel like it was fairly simultaneous because you know, and we've talked about this on the show, until John Caddick of Iron City Rocks 
brought a um, brought a Kiss record to my birthday party, I was really hardcore into very pop music, you know, with Culture Club being one of my favorites. Right. And I feel like I was probably still like into pop music when I first saw wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, for myself, um, I, it it would have been pro wrestling. It would have been pro wrestling. It was 1979 here in Winnipeg when we were in AWA territory. And I wouldn't, I would barely would even, even hardly even know the concept of metal and punk at that, at that moment. It took a couple of years after that before I kind of started to get an ideal or a feel for those two, but I never really went metal, hardcore, punk, whatever, until uh, 80, 84 going full time. So, yeah, I was definitely, de- definitely a pro wrestling fan now, or then first. And now it's just the concept of one being a fan and not the other just is kind of foreign. It's just like, it's just like pro wrestler. It's just like heavy metal and horror films. I'll never understand how you can one like one and not the other. And it's very, it's more people, you know, have a preference for one over over the other. Like people think our music is scary. smelling. (laughs) It's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's, Screaming shit? Ew. That's terrifying. <laughs> Do you want to go watch a horror movie later? Then what? Excuse me. <laughs> I'm noticing more and more people are starting to latch on to like like all this reality stuff, all this um do- documentaries about serial killers and just shit shit like that. And it's like that's fucking scary. Yeah. And that's then you, scary. And then you show them bring me the horizon and they're like, ew. I mean, <laughs> new Bring Me the Horizon is you anyway. I prefer old Bring Me the Horizon, but still. Right. <laughs> That's One like going into Hot Topic and you hear Pray for Plagues playing. And there's a girl wearing a Bring Me the Horizon hoodie. And she's like, ew, what's this? And it's like, oh, my God, you don't oh, serve that sweater. <laughs> this is oh. Bring Me the Horizon. No, it's not. You're lying to me. God. You're I, I think one of the funniest things that normies would say about metal is that they'll, they'll they'll talk about how it's all this is all about killing people and murder and torture and then I'm just like hey wait a minute five minutes ago you said you couldn't understand what they were saying so we yeah. have <laughs> to make up your mind here. Right. yeah they you look make... up the lyrics to one Cannibal Corpse song and they're all ew yeah. <laughs> well bad example bad example but <laughs> no, well that's but... yeah. The the it all sounds the same thing to oh, me. Yeah. That's the one that bothers me the most because metal itself has like eight hundred different subgenres. Oh Jesus, yeah, it does it ever. So <laughs> it's like it's like people who listen to like only techno. They're like metal's just noise. It's like so is techno. Oh, yeah. <laughs> computer noise. I see. I can I can get <laughs> I can understand. Oh sorry, go ahead. Like you plug in a computer and you press play. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, like I can understand when people say that all the metal songs sound the same to them because that's how I feel when I listen to the radio. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. You know, so so like I get that right because you know you're you're not understanding the nuances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They all have the same chord progression. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're all three notes. 
Yeah. Well, I think the um, pro wrestling fans, though, are get, are more and more getting an education into the wonderful world of aggressive music, just because of the strong crossover. You know that we've been we've been seeing more and more, um, especially these days with various different wrestlers with their with their personas and their pastimes. And all that. So, with that in mind, I think maybe we're going to drop a track here. I think it would be very appropriate to start this particular episode with a track from God's Hate. Mr. Brody King from Ring of Honor, who's definitely tearing it up in the wonderful world of pro wrestling. And the new record, the self titled record, drops today, I believe as we speak so let's go with a track from that this is god's eight mr brody with social class warfare
That was Grinders Brody's Militia with Fucked from the Get-Go. And of course, this whole band, the whole concept of the band, at least the moniker of Brody's Militia, as uh, my wrestling buddies here would know, obviously, they draw strong inspiration from none other than Bruiser Brody. Uh, Bruiser Brody. One of the most feared wrestlers of all time. (laughs) You you just wouldn't. Yeah, you just wouldn't, would you? (laughs) (laughs) No, but he was... Um, Bruiser Brody, though, like, yeah, he, his persona, like, and I hate that expression, but like what you saw on TV in the ring and what you got out, you know, sometimes we're very, very different. And, you know, that just, sometimes that's the mark of a, uh, of a, of a good performer in that one of the best performers just, just all around in absolutely either of the two okay is one nasty ronnie now if that name doesn't necessarily might not necessarily ring a bell to the younger not only metal listeners but pro wrestling listeners because nasty ronnie number one is the front men from uh Eight, 80s Florida, although they're, they're still around, they're still kicking it, but 80s Florida Thrasher's Nasty Savage. That's when I first discovered them with their, their D-butt record on, <laughs> me, on, on, on Metal Blade Records when I, you know, when discovered them through Metal Forces and Krang and, you know, whatever little coverage the, the North American magazines would give, you know, the thrash scene at the time about a year into that though i was flipping i was flipping through an issue of all-star wrestling a big cover on the florida scene you know blackjack mulligan and barry and then the windhams and kevin sullivan and dusty Rhodes and all that and i noticed one of um kevin sullivan's goons you know in his little army of darkness was one nasty Ronnie. Now, as a metal fan, I went like, no fucking way, really? Hmm. Holy shit. So I dove right in the article and all that. It was like, wow, that is, look at that. That is, that's nasty Ronnie. He's in the <laughs> wonderful world of pro wrestling as well. So that always kind of, kind of stayed in my head as a fan of both aggressive music and pro wrestling. So, and Mr. Ronnie, Mr. Nasty Ronnie, was always one that I figured would make, someday would make one hell of an interview for either, for either a wrestling show or a metal show, because he's been around. He's done so much, and he has so much to contribute. So when this situation here with us with our two shows happened it's like okay i could not think of a more appropriate guest to have on this particular rest this particular episode than one nasty ronnie to get us there to that chat we're going to drop a track from one of the tunes that kind of put nasty savage on the map from their self-titled debut record 
This is Nasty Savage and Gladiator.
foremost, I always start off when I have a subject such as yourself. You've been around. You've done it all. You've seen it all. When you hear the word a legendary, the legendary nasty savage, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Uh, you know, uh, that's a big word, legendary, I, I guess, because we put in the time from the 80s, you know, and we survived and we keep, we're still playing. But legendary is a, a loose word that other people use. I don't use it to describe Nasty Savage because I'm too worried about tomorrow rather than what we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. I know legend, legendary is, is, is a big word, but, you know, it, it's an honor when people can say legendary because, you know, we have... I guess had a legendary career, legendary stage shows, legendary albums and music, but that's up to the fans and, and the media and the press to uh, to decide who's legendary and who's not. Definitely, definitely. Sometimes I think it's it's just a word like guys like myself throw around and all that. So yeah, fair enough. No, fair it's, enough. it's cool to be recognized. You know, like I said, to be recognized because um, you know you can't be legendary if you just started out you know we're very fortunate that we we have a track record and survived the old school metal days you know and and you know we're here today and you know, like eight from 80, 1982 to uh 2021 that's pretty amazing yeah, that's, a, that's a hell of a run definitely definitely and we got a lot <laughs> to talk about not only are you on radioactive metal right now but this interview is going to be um handed in and given to our listeners at Wrestling Night in Canada. So we're going to cover, be covering both and all that. So for, I guess maybe the first thing we want to discuss is what did you discover first as a fan, heavy metal or pro wrestling? Um, heavy metal or what? What like what did you discover first, metal or pro wrestling? Oh, Actually, it was pro wrestling, man. I moved to Florida when I was like 10 years old, and I um, was living at my aunt's house while our home was getting built, my mom's sister's, in Brandon, Florida. And uh, they used to watch wrestling from Florida, pro wrestling. And, you know, pro wrestling from Florida, I mean, was one of the greatest wrestling. Um, that was when there were territories in, in the country. And Florida was a hotbed. And I quickly bought into it. I quickly, you know, couldn't wait to watch it episodically every single week. Uh, and then there was a wrestler, Dusty Rhodes, the, great, the American Dream, who was actually a bad guy. And then he, he um, turned into a good guy. And when he turned into a good guy against Pac Song and Gary Hart and the, the real vicious villains, he became the American dream, the son of a plumber, you know, it's a, and it was unbelievable that what he sparked in the fans and the people, the plumber's son, you know, the, the American dream, you know, just the common man. And man, he just, he lit it up. And there was something about Dusty Rhodes that I just, I just loved, man. He was the people's champion. He was the people and he was, you know, charismatic. And I, I think that influenced me so much that I just bought into wrestling more and more and more. I used to go to the armory in Tampa. And I was a big wrestling fan. And, and, you know, I used to watch wrestling with my mom because she loved it every Saturday night at seven o'clock, it would come on. So, you know, on a Saturday night, my friends would want to go out and party and all this. And they had their cars in high school. And I'd say, you know what, don't come pick the clock when wrestling's over. So, um, but I was a student of the game. I studied it. I felt it, you know, the drama, 
you know, just the angles, the hype, and how at the end of the show they do this one thing to make you come back for next week or maybe to get you to come out to the uh, to the um, um, the wrestling shows, you know, to come out to the event to, to see the matches. It was, it was an amazing uh, – then they'd have great wrestlers that would come through the circuit that would come into Florida. It was a hotbed in wrestling. And, man, I tell you what, I loved wrestling, and I watched it. Um, you know, every single week and I went to the matches and, you know, it, we just enjoyed it. So I was in the, I was in the heavy, I mean, I was in the wrestling way before heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my situation as well. I'm up here in Winnipeg, Canada, and I discovered pro wrestling in 79 with the old AWA territory, you know, a good, a good couple of years before discovering heavy music myself, you would eventually move in to the business, I guess, around the mid-80s. The first time I saw you was in um, a magazine, an all-star wrestling mag- magazine. Um, how did you, what was your first um, foray into the world of professional? Well, you know, um, I I got into it in the 70s, early 70s, you know, uh, 71. I just started watching it. I watched a little bit in New York before I left with Bruno Sammartino, Pedro Morales. You know, Bruno, you know, it, what wrestling is missing nowadays, I think, is, is a hero and a villain. You know, you know that's the bad guy, and, and he's a bad guy, and you hate the bad guy, and you want the hero to win. And they put these situations where, you know, you, you support the hero. And, you know, there's a lot of things I'll get into with wrestling and how it works. But, um, you know, I I got into um, Nasty Savage in the 80s. So 82 or so, uh, started Nasty Savage. And I was, a, I was still a wrestling fan. So what is Nasty Savage? Nasty Savage was a mix between pro wrestling meets Jim Morrison meets Slayer, you know, meets the original thrash, you know, contemporary music that we created ourselves. I didn't, I really didn't like singing Judas Priest or Scorpions and shit like that. So I said, you know what, let's just do original music, man. Cause that way no one can, no one can judge us. No one can judge me. So, um, we created Nasty Savage, and, I mean, we busted out with Nasty Savage in Brandon, Florida, uh, and just was like, no one saw anything like this before because we didn't follow anybody. We we paved our way. We forged our way in just mayhem, crazy shit, crazy concerts, smashing TVs, riding out to the stage on Harley, setting up shows. And one of the first gigs we did was a, a, a side yard of my friend's house in the Brandon subdivision. And, um, you know, I happened to ride out right through the crowd on a Harley, got out, got on the stage. So, you know, we, we created the mayhem and then we went into the first album and did all this. And, um, we, I was backstage one time in Lakeland at a Judas Priest and Iron Maiden concert. And I was like, damn, I brought t-shirts and everything I was going to give to the band. And I was really marking out. So I was backstage and I'm looking and I go, Oh my God, that's Kevin Sullivan, the Prince of Darkness, one of my favorite wrestlers because he's evil and had the, you know, Mayha Singh, the Purple Haze. He had, you know, all these uh, Billy Superstar Graham, or, you know, he just had all the evil wrestlers and I loved it because it was that darkness, you know, he just had everybody on it as far as a villain and a heel. 
the greatest and he was a smart booking agent and he was part of the business, you know? So I said, Oh my God, it's Kevin Sullivan. Man. I'm going to give him the t-shirts. Fuck it. Screw it. So I, uh, I'm, I went up to him and said, man, you don't know how big of a fan I am. I love wrestling. I'm, I'm nasty Ronnie from nasty Savvy. He's like, yeah, whatever, man. And I go, well, here, I'd like to give you this. I go, I'd like to get involved in wrestling. You know, back in those days, you tell a wrestler that they're like, get the hell out of here. Who the hell are you? This is a secretive business. Not anybody can, can get into wrestling, you know? Mm. Um, excuse me oh damn so i was like damn he goes well come see me at the uh, sportatorium that's where they would do their tv tapings i think on a on a wednesday and then they do the matches on the next tuesday and the show would come on on sunday on saturday night so i went right the next day it was the next that next tuesday or t- wednesday i went to the sportatorium and I was like, man, I'm here to see Kevin Sullivan, you know, and they wouldn't let me in the, you know, in the, in the dressing room or the office door. You know, he, so he came out, I go, he came out and just opened the door a little crack. He said, Hey brother, he goes, just wait, I'll talk to you later. So I waited and waited and waited all the wrestlers. It was over. It was gone. And he peeks out again. He goes, look, man, he goes, I don't have time today. He goes, um, come to the matches uh, Saturday night. We're, we're in, we're in uh, Sarasota or somewhere. So I drove down to Sarasota, an hour drive, just to get to meet him, you know, and I was persistent. And same thing happened. He just went out after the matches, got in his car, and pretty much gave me a few moments and just kind of blew me off. And and um, and that was that. I said, damn. So I went to the next matches again, and I kept, you know, I said, look, man, I'm playing this Saturday night with Nasty Savage at Ruby's Pub right here in Tampa. If you guys come to the come to my show, you'll see what I'm all about. And you know, and we're on stage at Ruby's Pub. The mayhem was it was just unbelievable back in the early '80s. It was like a wave, a wave of mayhem and thrashers, stage diving, and a hot little club. But man, the people were just on fire. You know, just like. And all of a sudden, I look and I see them walk in the door. Kevin Sullivan, Bob Root, who's May House Singh, Purple Haze, and Sir Oliver Humperdinck, and they go to the back of this thing, and they witness the mayhem. They witness me commanding the crowd and the, the power of the music, and, you know. So after the show, they go, brother, he goes, you have, you've got it, bro. He goes, we definitely want to get together. And because they saw me perform, they were like, here, give me a call tomorrow. And they, they opened their door to me, and I got involved with them. So I'm like, okay, well, how can I add value? One thing he wanted to do, he goes, hey, man, he goes, can you bring those flash bombs that you had on stage to our show in Daytona? We're opening up the Civic Center for the first show ever. It was a big triple chance cage match with a blackjack mulligan and Habuda Dean and the, the guys were coming in with the snakes and all this shit. So I was going to be part of the entourage because I was bringing these and all the way to Daytona is a two hour drive. I said, heck yeah, I'll be there. So we go and uh, do we do the flash bombs when they came out? I was part of the, the intro and entourage got in the ring and, you know, I didn't know really what the hell I was doing, but I, I, I I met, I fit right in because of the mayhem and you know the the awe and shock, so mm. I did that and I got to be more friends with them and you know they started saying hey this guy's got some stuff to offer, so I said look you know what you really need to do Kevin, 
you need to come with me to Vandekar's house. This is the guy who paints our album covers. I go, you need to come with me to Vandekar's. This guy's amazing. He's got a big gargoyle on the roof of the concrete house. And, you know, it's like, it'd be perfect to film the Prince of Darkness's house or whatever. I was just throwing ideas. He goes, okay. So he came with a film crew. We met and we went out to Vandekar's. And he was like, oh, my God, Nasty. He goes, this is awesome. So we did the intro with these gargoyles in the front of the house with these crazy, I don't know, satanic-looking statues and shit. And uh, he had these giant Great Danes and stuff. This is just evil, you know, evil-looking. But Vendico was really a nice guy. Anyway, so he goes, okay, Nasty, I want you to be part of this. And a woman was there, too, uh, who ended up marrying Kevin and then married Chris Benoit. And unfortunately, it was murdered with the uh, Benoit thing. Anyway, but, you know, woman was awesome back then. She was part of Kevin's entourage, and she was there as well. So we did the opening of Championship Wrestling from Florida. I mean, this is the show everybody watches. And he goes, I'm here today. This is the house of the Prince of Darkness, and I'm here with Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Stuff. These are the people we hang out with. These are the people. You know, nasty savage. They put me over on TV, so I'm like, oh shoot. So I was like, damn. So once that happened, I just started going like to the local wrestling, uh, like Malenko, Boris Malenko's wrestling school. Sometimes they'd have Carl Gotch come in. They'd bring J- Japanese wrestlers that were training. Would train with Carl Gotch at Malenko's school. I went to Malenko's school, and there I saw this kid working out with the girls because he wouldn't let him work out with the guys. And it was uh, the one, two, three kids, Sean, you know, who was one of the guys who at the time you had to be big. And, you know, he was a smaller guy, but he paved the way for larger, uh, for smaller guys to get over in wrestling. And he turned out to be a mega star for a while. You know, one, two, three kid was, was unbelievable worker. And then he went into, you know, what he did with the WWE and all that. But, I watched so many people, you know, that were training at Malenko's that went on because it was an unbelievable wrestling school. So I started training a little bit there, and I started managing for Malenko. And, you know, Malenko would go, hey, kid, in the land of the blind, one eye is king. You know, he'd tell you just the stuff that being around Malenko is so cool. And I started managing with him. One night I said, hey, uh, man, do I get a payoff tonight? He goes, hey, kid, good job. And he gave me five bucks, you know, for being a manager. But, you know, if you didn't ask, you never got it. So from there I started doing my own shows. And I became a wrestling promoter, and I worked with this guy, Playboy Jeff James, and we'd run this thing at the Harbor Club. And we ended up having, like, sometimes 200 people would come to see these matches. And I'd use the pick of the litter of all these different guys from the wrestling schools, and everybody wanted to work. And uh, one night, we were there in the Harbor Club, Rocky Johnson comes in, and he goes, hey, everybody, this is I'm Rocky Johnson. We go, oh, my God, we know it's Rocky Johnson. He goes, but I want to introduce you to my son. This is Rocky. He's going to be a – he's uh, playing football right now in Miami, but he's going to be a big-time wrestling star someday. And, we were, and, and Rocky came and bowed his head and shook everybody's hand very politely, like, hey, brother, nice to meet you, nice to meet you, you know, just like giving ultimate respect. And uh, those are some of the things we saw, you know. And um, so, you know, it just started moving and moving more and more. One night I was doing a wrestling show and uh, at a place called The Crossroads. And I was the promoter, the booker. Hell, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew what I was doing because 
You know why? Because I was a student of the game in the school of watching championship wrestling from Florida, and I understood the angles and the drama and how to get people over, you know? So um, I, I, I saw this one guy. I said, dude, you are the total package here, brother. I go, I'm booking you at the next show. And um, so I had him booked, and then I got a call. I forget what he was, the name, his name then, but he called me up and he goes, uh, uh, Mr. Galetti, he goes, I'm sorry, I can't make that show. Uh, you booked me on Saturday night. I go, oh, no worries, brother. I go, what happened? He goes, well, I got called up to the WWE. And you know who that was? His name was Glenn. And he was, um, oh, shit. Uh, what's the guy with the, with the mask and the red, big red machine? Uh, oh. Glenn... Yeah, Kane. That was Kane. But I knew when I saw him that this guy was money, you know, and, and he was he was polite enough, even though he got the big contract and he was going to the W, he was smart enough with respect to call me and say, hey, I'm sorry, I can't make that gig. Right on, right on. Well, yeah, that's so, what it's all about. So, yeah, so, you know, the wrestling thing took off, and by then I was kind of done with Nasty Savage. So in the 90s, it started and I, I, I took it into the, you know, I did wrestling for a while with, with heavy metal and all that. And then I started working with Luna Vachon and I started managing Locke and Luna who were part of Kevin Sullivan's deal. And, you know, it's just, just a, a lot of crazy stuff happened and I just kept rolling with it. My friend, uh, Bill Auden was a big time uh, wrestling photographer still is, but he worked for a lot of Japanese magazines and the Japanese loved some of the shows I was putting on because I was doing hardcore wrestling and uh, man, they love, they go, we like the messy runny show, messy runny show. And Bill would come out with Jimmy Suzuki and they would, they would shoot pictures and we'd get in Japan and all this stuff. I, I managed the black hearts. Um, you know, we did some great stuff there. Jim Neidhart approached me and he was running shows and where I was booking for Jim Neidhart because he didn't know what the hell he was doing. You know, and he, he's, he's the, it was just funny because he's more of a party dude, but he was a great wrestler and you know, had a great name. But when it came to booking, I said, Jim, let me handle this for you. So I was booking for Jim Neidhart. We booked, and, and you know, he would bring in the junkyard dog, uh, baby boy Smith and the British bulldogs. And we had some of the greatest talent to work with. And it was amazing that uh, I was getting to work with these guys in the black. Then I would bring in guys for the undercard. And they loved that, that they didn't have to pay a bunch of money to all these top guys and they could get these undercard guys that would work a lot cheaper. So I was always a company man trying to save the company money, trying to be valuable. And you got to do that anything in life. So then one day I was doing a wrestling show uh, in Tampa and this guy approached me, Eddie Mansfield, who is a legendary uh, wrestler, really fire, um, a fire uh, baby face. He was really a, had a lot of fire, but Eddie was also involved in the 2020 deal with uh, Stossel where he exposed the business. So Eddie Mansfield was blackballed in the business, you know, for all those years um, because he exposed the business, which Vince McMahon ended up doing too and everybody else has. So um, Eddie approached me and said, hey, Nasty Ronnie, I like what you're doing. I'd like you to work with me at Universal Studios. I want you to be a part of what we're doing. I need a good manager. I said, well, Eddie, I'm more than a damn manager, buddy. So uh, we got together. We started doing IWF wrestling tapings every week. I would bring a carload of guys from Tampa from the wrestling school over to the school in, in Orlando, 
and Eddie would check these guys out and say, you know what, I'll make you the Mongolian stumper. You're gonna. I brought nasty Ned Brady, one of the best workers. He made him the possessor. First, he was the repo man. So when we first started out, he was the repo man, and I was corresponding back and forth with the WWF at the time and J.J. Dillon to try to get a job there. And I told him, yeah, I'm working with this Eddie Manson, and we got this gimmick I'm managing the repo man. Next thing you know, WWF uh, trademarked the name, the repo man, and they sent us a letter, cease and desist and all that shit, and it was a big thing that – uh, I was like trying to hurt the company, and I said, "No, no, no, no." We got through that. We changed Nasty Ned, who is the Repo Man. We changed him to the Possessor, and then I had the Nasty Organization, and we I ended up co-producing over 200 episodes of the IWF Wrestling, and we just you know, we worked with the DeLorean from Back to the Future. We brought this guy Max the Eliminator, we had Mondo Clean, uh, we brought in Greg Valentine. So here's Eddie Manso, there's Blackball from the business. Everybody was calling and wanting to work now. They were like, oh, my God, can I get hired? Can I get hired? And we'd work with Beetlejuice, you know, and, and I was over so much. We had Twisted Sister. and So then we had guys like Thunder and Lightning, these big muscle dudes who went on the WCW for a while, and they got over pretty good. And one of them was the, worked as Sting. It was the, the secondary Sting. And then um, the guys, we, I brought in Rob Van Dam from Georgia when he was just a real polite guy, kid. Mm -hmm. I said, Eddie, I got this guy, Rob Van Dam. He's really talented. So we were able to work with Rob Van Dam. And then we had these two guys named uh, Brett and Colt. Brett and uh, Kip. And Kip turned out to be Mr. Ass. Um, you know, and then what happened is Brett Colt ended up, when they went to the WWF, he's the guy who knocked out Dr. Death in, the, in a street fight thing that they were doing that boxing thing. And it was a big surprise because he was a shooter from Milanko school. But anyway, they were the, the long riders. They were the big baby faces for us. They come out on horses and it was Brett Colt and Kip Winchester. And it was like, their tagline was excellent. Eddie was such a good mind. He said, if the cult don't get you, the Winchester will. And that was their tagline, you know. And then they went to the WWF and came out to be the smoking guns who were over big time. They were big time over. And it was really cool uh, helping talent pass on to the next level. And that's what we do. We take green guys from a wrestling school and we turn them into monsters and heroes and villains and then people would pay to come see them. It was kind of magical, you know, and, and that's where I started getting the the power of television and, you know, wow, this is pretty powerful. And, and you know, and, and and I was like the fashion play of the IWF. People can Google Nasty Ronnie IWF Wrestling. There's three or four or five different promo reels of some of the stuff we were doing. I got to work with Blackjack Mulligan. We had a bounty on Blackjack. I had matches with Blackjack. Um, I had the Mongolian Stomper, which is amazing talent. Um, so we do these things like if uh, Blackjack wins, he gets five minutes in the ring with me. And, uh, of course, on the way to the matches, I would go buy a, a suit or something at the Goodwill, and I'd take a razor blade and I'd slice it up, you know, so it's easily torn off me and shit. You know, so, you know, I was a thinker. I, did, people didn't have to tell me what to do. I added that value. And anything you do in life, man, you got to seize the moment, seize the opportunity. So um, I would help get Blackjack over, and you know we did all kinds of angles, and but I, I was really put over in a good in a good way. And then Bill Ott and the photographers would always come do pictures on us, you know. So it it was fun, you know. And and then 
one other story I'll tell you is um, I started doing these shows where like you sell a wrestling show to an event place or to a bar and then I'd bring in wrestling entertainment for an hour or two and we'd do a wrestling show. And I used to work with um, that bike week. I would bring it to the Iron Horse Saloon, the guy Billy Stevens on the on the Iron Horse Saloon in Norman Beach. So every year we do wrestling shows and I bring in hardcore wrestling, you know, and they're just cool characters. There's this one guy who, um, he was like an Elvis gimmick and he was sing Elvis and look like Elvis so good. So I'd have him start the show and sing the national anthem. And then I'd have this big heel come out and mess with him and power slam him, you know, right after. And people would go, what the heck? Oh my God. And that would just start out the show. So, you know, just all, you know, just brutal hardcore stuff that went on to go with a IPW and people like that with Ron Nimi, just hardcore stuff in, in Tampa Bay. But one night I was doing an all-female show. I was working with a lady named Liz Chase who had a female wrestling school, and she was old school like Moolah. Mm-hmm. And um, she would bring in these great prospects, and I started bringing them into Tampa. We did the wrestling shows at the Born to Ride Saloon, and there's where Jimmy Suzuki and all them would come because they'd want to see these new female phenoms that are big time, some of them trained in Japan, and then I'd figure out which ones were really important and popular, then I'd book them on my show because I knew they would come out and cover it. So um, we're doing this big wrestling show, all female. This guy from Denmark, Ernest Van Gelder, was a big wrestling mark, and he was a lady wrestling mark. He paid for all the girls. He paid for the whole show just so he could come hang out with all the wrestling chicks for this match. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. And plus the guy paid for the show at the bar. So it was, it was awesome. And uh, Liz would be happy because I'd use her students. Um, mm. So this one girl named Joni <clears throat> sent me a letter and said, look, I want to work this show. And I was like, wow, this girl is muscular as hell. I said, she is unbelievable. I said, I said, Liz, book her too. So she came in and we get to the matches and I'm starting to go over the booking, what's going to happen and this and that. And I look at this girl, Joni, and I go, this girl's the franchise, man. She's going to get over. And at the end, she's going to do this and she's going to turn. And, you know, I just knew that she was going to be involved in several matches. And at the end, she was going to be the big star of the night. And you know, that was, that was, that was, um, um, Joni, who was, um, what's that big China? Yeah, it was China. And I go, Oh my God. But this before China, but I saw in her, like I did with Glenn from, you know, the, the other guy that went on to be Kane. I, I saw it right when I saw her, I said, this girl's the franchise. And, um, she called me a week later and she goes, I can't thank you enough for, for what you did for me. And, you know, but I just got a call from the WWE and I'm going to the WWE or WWF at the time. And it's, it's things like that, you know, in wrestling, when you're part of a, a crew or a business or a company that how you treat people with respect and help them. And it's a small world, man, you know? And mm-hmm. I was just, I was like, wow, I just worked with that. Like, Last year in the WWE, when they did the Hall of Fame stuff, I think there was four or five wrestlers that were inducted into the Hall of Fame that I actually worked with. And it was just unbelievable, you know, that I was touched by some of these stars that are actually in the WWE Hall of Fame. And um, 
so that's that's how I really got with wrestling, and I never stopped, you know. And then we got back in the Nasty Savage, and and then again with the Born to Ride stuff. That's where I um, that's where I found the the power of of television. Because one thing I did for Eddie Mansfield, you talk about bringing a value to somebody. Um, one night I was at a dinner party with my wife, and my wife sold insurance, and. Um, she goes, oh, this is Roger, Kathy's husband. He's a CEO at Nestle. And I said, Nestle? I said, Roger, do I have an idea for you? He goes, what would that be? I go, check this out. The IWF Wrestling Nestle Crunch of the Week, man. And we'll go, now let's go to the Crunch of the Week. And boom, you know, and there it is. He goes, hey, man, I like that idea. He goes, give me a proposal on that. I said, yes, sir. And I walked away going, what the hell is a proposal? I didn't even know. But within about 30 days, I had him signed to a $50,000 proposal, and he bought into it. But I learned the biggest lesson in business from that because I put it in Eddie Mansfield's hands. And and it was time to re-up after 13 weeks or so. And he goes, hey, nasty, go get that. Go get the money again, you know. I'm like, okay. So I said, hi, Roger. You know, and Roger said, you know what, I think I'm going to pass. I go, what? He goes, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction. So right then and there, I realized that if you sell somebody something, a corporate client or any any client, you better give them the service they desire and deserve. And that's what was missing. I turned it over, and I didn't give it kid gloves to make sure they were happy and all the things that could have happened. So I learned a big lesson there in business that if you sell somebody something, you better back it up because it's not about the quick dollar. It's about the long-term dollar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Building relationships. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You mentioned the Hall of Fame, and just from what happened just a couple of days ago as we speak, how surreal is it? Like Ozzy Osbourne is now in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Like, <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, you know, I, I really think some of the the Hall of Fame stuff is to put wrestlers in that are still wrestlers. And I mean, I'm I'm not that. I've really kind of lost interest in the WWF or WWE now because it's just, it's really hard to come up with characters like Stone Cold, Steve Austin, or, um, you know, uh, The Rock, you know. I mean, damn, there's guys in WrestleMania that you're like, who? Why? You know, you're like, it, it's a shame. You know, Bret the Hitman Hart, you know. You know, all the guys who are iconic wrestling characters through the years, it's it's really getting harder to get these guys. And um and now you got somebody like Ozzy Osbourne and the I mean, why? You know, I mean I love Ozzy and everything. I think he's an iconic uh, legend legendary rock and roll heavy metal guy and it's it's a it's great that he's still alive and you know, like Keith Richards and everybody else, but I don't understand Oh, let's just throw him in there because it's a good name and get himself over and we could help. I, I just think they're missing the mark on some of the guys that really deserve it, you know, and, and if you look back at it, um, I don't even know all the guys that are in it, but when I heard some of them, I'm like, wow, how does that even add up? Um, mm. You know, the, the, the marquee says wrestling, and these are Hall of Famers who have done stuff in wrestling, and now you're going to give it to somebody who just might have touched a little bit of wrestling. It's like putting me in the Hall of Fame or something for a reason, you know, but, you know, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Well, I think if there was ever a heavy metal Hall of Fame, I think um, Nasty Savage would definitely be worthy of going in, for sure. 
<laughs> that would be a that would be a total honor for sure. And actually, we are in the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame in Tampa Bay. Oh, okay. Several years ago, we got put into that. There we go. There Whatever we go. that's worth. Well, <laughs> it's an honor. It's an honor for sure. When someone you know acknowledges you like that. Yeah. When was the last time you spoke to Kevin Sullivan? Oh, uh, you know what? It's been a few years, actually. You know what? He um, he used my. I used to wear this like shoulder pads with the spikes and the f- breastplate and all this crazy nasty savage armor, and he borrowed it and never gave it back. You know, so it's probably been several years, five years or so, that I just kind of touched base with him at a show or somewhere. I saw him, but you know, I think he's living down in Miami or, or the Keys right now. And, you know, Sir Oliver Humperdinck passed away. And, but, you know, I had some great memories um, hanging out with those guys. One time we were in his apartment, and well, they lived in Tampa, and he was like the booker. And I remember a conversation with him on the phone with King Curtis, and they're talking booking. And this is when I, I was still kind of a mark for wrestling. But um, I remember the, the, the angles and the way he was talking about how you keep it going. And so, you know, this is an angle that's going to last a, couple, a month or two. And this, you know, it's harder to do that now with the internet and everything, but it was old school booking and wrestling. And, you know, I got to be around some of that really precious, precious moments of uh, where I always learned, you know, then for a while too, I was working with a, a company called the NWS and it was uh, out of New York and they would come into Florida and they would run these shows, these paid shows, and then I would um, I, I would uh, be the booking agent for the local guys, get the ring, the referee, and all that stuff. And I got to work with, uh, you know, Sergeant Slaughter and D.C. Drake, Mad Dog D.C. Drake, you know, these guys from New Jersey and New York. And it was really cool because I, I was put in these positions that I had to deliver, and um, it was really cool. I mean, I mean we had... Also, there was there was such great talent in Florida, and one of the guys was Raul Mata, you know, a Mexican wrestler uh, who was real popular in California, and he came to Florida, and man, on TV they just jobbed him out all the time, but he'd always get guys over and put them over, but man, in the local shows, man, he would just tear it up, and I'd book him as much as I could because I always tried to get good talent, you know, to work and. Nowadays, everybody's got a wrestling school and everybody's backyard wrestling and they don't even have wrestling gear and they're killing the business and, you know, it's just hardcore stuff or it's crazy, man. Like some of these guys getting into the ring, they're doing these high spots, you know, like, oh, let's get in the ring and do a triple flip before the match starts. And the old timer on the other side of the ring is going, man, what are you doing? man? that was kind of should be your finish rather than getting started. Mm-hmm. And what what I see with wrestling these days is there's no real psychology uh, with most of it. it. It's they work way too fast. Look at Billy Superstar Graham or Dusty Rhodes or you know the old school wrestling guys that that were methodical and took your took their time or Hulk Hogan. You know he'd go to punch somebody but he'd stop and look at the crowd and then he the crowd would go, Yeah, do it and then he'd go boom and then he'd look at him again and they go, Boom you know, they they're right on the edge of their seat, you know, to to and then the hero would go down again, you know, and then they they it's a roller coaster of emotion what wrestling is. It's vaudeville at its greatest, it's performing arts, it's power, it's it's athleticism 
and its personality. And when you have it all, man, I mean, if I'm the booker and I book a match, I could sit in the back and hear the crowd to see when the finish goes properly. And it's like a crescendo. And they go, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, boom. And you know, that, that worked good because I booked it to do that. And it, it's always awesome. And so the, the formula that I had and we stuck to, and most people are smart enough in the old days, is you piss them off on TV. That means you you screw the you screw the baby face, you screw the good guy, and you attack them. You do all this stuff right when they're in their uh, the highest moment. Then you take them down, and then you say Tuesday night I'm coming back. I'm going to get you back. And then Tuesday night when they come to see you, you put the baby face over and you send the people out of that building happy, because if you piss them off. You know, they're going to get pissed. But if you keep them happy, they're going to tune right back in, and then you do it again. And it's a cycle of emotion that you bring them back to the, you know, you bring them back to the, to the, to the, uh, the house shows. And it's really all about psychology. It's nothing but that. It's putting people in place to do a job or to play a role or to be that character. And that's what's missing from wrestling these days. You know, too much TV, too much pay-per-view, too much everything. And, I mean, there's some great talent out there. Some of the women wrestlers are just unbelievable, but Amazing. they need to slow it down. You know, so they have this school. If you have the same guys training every single person, they're going to all kind of work the same. I think they got to mix it all up a little bit more, and they really need to go back to work in psych- psychology because the athleticism is good. But if you don't have the psychology, all you're doing is bing, 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 bing. And, you know, like, you don't need to punch that fast. You don't need to move. You know, just slow it down. And because when you're in the ring, uh, the lights on you in that ring, you look larger than life. Anyhow, it's like big guys. Big guys should work a certain way. Big guys shouldn't be doing all this bing, bing, bing stuff. They should be doing punching and kicking and doing strength moves to show their strength, like Andre the Giant matches and you know big man matches and. You can get over that way, but when you have a big guy trying to do drop kicks and all this, you know, it's just you don't need to do it. I think uh, smart booking agents uh, just need to work within the talent, get the most out of their talent. And, you know, that was the fun and the challenge that I always tried to do is I always just tried to think, okay, if I'm a fan, how am I going to get pissed or how am I going to be happy or how am I going to be shocked or surprised? You know, that's all it is. You're taking people on a trip. That's what I do at Nasty Savage. I take people on a trip. Right on, right on. Yeah, yeah. I'm of the old school mentality myself, and everything you said is just bang on. I agree 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do want to get into a little bit of some Nasty Savage here as well. Um, maybe kind of give an update on what's going on in the camp now. Well, you know, actually, Quentin, we just played a concert Saturday night, the first one in about a year and a half to two years. And we played in Tampa at the Brass Mug. And um, it was unbelievable. There's some good opening acts. But, um, man, it was so good to get back on stage. Right now we have a really, really good band. It's David Austin uh, and myself, the original members. And we have this this ripper uh, guitarist, Pete Sykes, who's just the greatest guy and just 100% all in. And um, 
Jim Coker's on drums. He played with us for several, several years and did some shows in Europe and different gigs. You know, when we had these festivals, Jim's been with us. And then we have Scotty Carino on bass and he was in a local band Fester. And he was also, uh, did a little bit with Chuck and death for a while. And, uh, he's just an unbelievable bass player. And we're known to have different bass players all the time, but the unit we have right now is, uh, we enjoy each other and we respect each other and there's never arguments. There's never bad times. It's always positive. And Dave and I pretty much the bosses and we run it and, you know, we make everything happen and those guys back it all up. And it, it's, it's really awesome to play with these guys. And, um, we actually played a new song, an instrumental that's just mind blowing called the sixth finger. And, uh, you know, it's something that Pete had a big, part of writing it and David, but Pete really brought, brought it, brought it to us. And, uh, you know, it's instrumental and if there's videos of the show all over Facebook or Google or YouTube, a lot of photos and stuff. But, um, I had this girl come out called the unchained, I had to be the unchained angel. You know, I used to have Luna come out and do triple X and stuff. So this girl uh, came out with this, uh, really cool get up on for unchained angel. And, and then she came out in triple X as well. And of course I was smashing TV sets and, you know, just chains and mannequins and, you know, it was, everybody was blown away with the show. I don't know. It's because the COVID kept everybody down so long and everybody wanted to get out and do something. But one thing I, there's about 400 people in this club. It was, it was unbelievable. And so many people are raving about the show because we give an impact, you know, but one one thing that I noticed is a lot of younger metal kids, even death metal kids were there and we sold a ton of merchandise. But I think we we played um last year or year before with Maniacal Waste. Or is that the name of it? Municipal. I mean I'm sorry, Municipal Waste. We got to play with those guys. They came into town. They were Nasty Savage fans. They said, dude, what will it take for you to open up for us? And there's other bands on the bill. So we, we were pretty high on the bill, I think, right before them. But, man, we got exposed to probably, uh, I don't know, four or 500 people that night. And some of these people were kids who've never seen us before, you know. Um, so that, I think that had something to do with it. And then our friends in obituary honored us in a in that video i don't know if you've seen it but a thousand ways to die i think it's called or something the animated um, the animated thing and they tribute they did a tribute to nasty savage with unchained angel and that has millions and millions of hits you know and views and i think just those two things and then us keeping up in the in you know in on social media and doing interviews like this and you know get, just getting out there more it really added to a Nasty Savage 2021. We were actually booked to go to um, Rio de Janeiro. We were going to play with Venom Inc. there in in May. And we were going to go to um, Amsterdam, Holland, and Belgium for some shows. And, of course, they all got canceled. But uh, two years ago, or whenever, right before COVID, we we headlined the Metal Fest at um, um, Santiago, Chile. We got to play there in front of mayhem fans, man, people who love heavy metal. And it's so great to be around. The universal language is music, is passion, is is relating to people. You know, we played in, and then before that, we played in uh, Peru, Lima, Peru Metal Fest. 
So it's so cool, man, to go to these different countries and, and people know your music and they sing along and they, and you take the time to meet the people and hang out, take the pictures. And I, I love it. You know, I really love connecting with people and it's music that brings us together. It doesn't matter if you're white, you're black, you're red, you're, it doesn't matter who you are, man. It, it's, it's about coming together as people and get away from all the bullshit that we have to deal with. Metal will, will bring us together. And I love that because it's a common ground, you know, it's, it, it's, it's what brings people together, music, metal, you know, educated fans, give those people the time they deserve. They're your fans, man. And I remember when I was trying to meet Slayer or Ozzy and, you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, we used to go meet every single band when they played in Tampa or Lakeland Civic Center. We'd always get to meet them, kiss, you know, whatever. And I always have the Kerrang magazine. I get them to sign it. But I remember that moment when I got to meet the people and they were cool enough to give us one moment or a little bit of time. So I'll, I'll never forget that. I, I know how important it is when someone's your fan. Yeah. Give them the time of day, man. Talk to them, ask them questions. And, you know, I'll always do that. And if anything, Nasty Savage has always been about the people, you know, and the, the, the fans because you want to make their day, not only on stage, but, but when you get a chance to meet them. I mean, we did a tour with DRI and Sick of It All in 1990. We did 60 shows in 65 days across America, from L.A., Chicago, Detroit, New York, Texas. We even went through Canada, you know, all Florida, Georgia. Um, and it was a low-budget tour for us, so I would say, hey, man, by the way, we're looking for a place to stay tonight if anybody's got a place, you know. And everybody, you know, there's always someone who come, man, stay at my house, please, please. And it didn't matter if it was South Central L.A. in a cold slab floor and a, a just cold-ass floor, hard, or it was in New York City somewhere, or we were with our fans who loved us the most, you know. And then, or or be, hey, my dad's out of town, and, and here we are in Houston, Texas. He's in the oil industry, and we go to this giant mansion, you know. We just never knew. And it was it was so awesome. You know, they'd have us sign the walls and all the people would come over from the neighborhoods and you know, we we've made friends forever that last forever and when we go back to these towns, those people are always there again to hook us up with whatever we needed. And we always made it home alive and safe. And if anything, if you're in a band and you're listening now, if you're a wrestler be smart, man. Take care of business and get home safe and take care of those promoters who are, who are putting it all out for you. Take care of business, deliver, and get home safe to your family. And one thing is we always kind of kept it as a business, you know. But, you know, yeah, we're, we're working on some new music. And, of course, we got three or four new songs. And we just got to get into the studio. So it's budgets to get in the studio. To, we have record companies that are said, hey, we're interested. Uh, might be some re-releases with Metal Blade. It's a lot of stuff that you can do. But, you know, my age, I'm, I'm 59 now, still smashing TV, still raising hell on stage. And, you know, it's a tribute to something, to business. But, um it's amazing that we can still go back in time and, and play the songs. I mean, some of the songs we play are some of the songs that were on the demo tape in 1982 and 83. These are classic songs that have stood the test of time. And uh, when you have young kids who weren't even born in the 80s that are into Nasty Savage and, and music that we created, 
it, it's it's really awesome. It really is awesome. Right on, right on. Okay, that's a perfect place to um, end this. Thank you uh, so much, you know, for your time, I have to admit. Um, I sat here as a fan just listening to all your awesome stories about, you know, the old territory days and working in Florida and all that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man, it's, it's you know, wrestling was a big part of my life, and it's just uh, I, I still love it. I like what Chris Jericho is doing with the AEW and um, they're, they're buying more talent all the time. And some of those guys, you wonder, wow, who's this guy? But right. you know, it, it takes, it takes time. And you know, he's from Cal, well, he was from Calgary too. Chris Jericho, right? Yeah. From Winnipeg originally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what a, what a, I, I respect that guy so much. You know, he, he sang on our psycho psycho album. He, he was a big nasty savage fan. And a friend of mine who know, knows him said, hey, Chris wants to meet you. And he came. We had dinner one night. And I said, yeah, our bass player, Dezo. And he goes, oh, Dezo, it's Savon Bartha III. You mean? I go, oh, yeah. So he's a big Nasty Savage fan. And so when we were doing uh, Psycho Psycho, I asked him if he'd like to come in the studio. He showed up and sang with me on uh, Savage Desire and came to a couple of our shows. Matter of fact, he just contacted me and said, dude, if I would have known you guys were playing, uh, I would have been there, you know, and it's just really great to see Chris and his success, you know, and how smart of a business guy he is and how giving he is to people who really need help. But, uh, you know, I'd love to work with him somehow, some way. And, um, you know, it's, it's just really good. And, you know, Canon has brought out some of the greatest wrestlers as well. Um, and the territories with Stu Hart, and all those guys who worked out in the dungeon. I mean, there's Bret Hart, you know, all, the, all those guys. And, man, that's where Chris trained, you know, and he's had a great career. He's getting a little older now, and he's still kicking ass. Last night they had Mike Tyson on there. You know, so he's always coming up with some kind of great stuff. And, you know, and you know, but what I'm doing now is I produce a TV show called Born to Ride. I produced it for 25 years. I've just... I just produced my 1300th TV episode of Born to Ride Television. So it's the biker lifestyle. It's the life and times of motorcycles and the people who ride them. And it's a great thing. Then I published Born to Ride magazine. I published one in Florida and I published one in the Southeast, which is Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, North and South Carolina. And we do bike events, bike rallies. And, you know, like, you know, that show Cops? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been on forever, right? Right. You know how many episodes they've done? <laughs> 1,100. Oh. 1,100. Born to Ride has done 1,300. That's the commitment not only to business but to the biker lifestyle. And you talk about bikers, some of the greatest people ever. You know, For more info, check out borntoride.com. Borntoride.com. We got a Facebook page of all this stuff. and. So that's what I'm really doing now, but I, I never forget where I started, and that's you know being an entrepreneur back in the early days of selling mistletoe that I pulled off of a of a tree, and I went house to house with a little baggie going, "Hey, I got mistletoe. Would you like to buy some?" Or selling lemonade on a lemonade stand, or you know, entrepreneurial uh, success starts whenever you started. But I started at a young age of being a marketing and promotion guy when I was in a band. I said, hell, I'm not really a singer. I just play one on stage, so I better start marketing this shit. 
And that's what I did. I got into wrestling. I just did my thing. And then I started Born to Ride from the power of TV that I learned in wrestling by selling that one Nestle sponsorship. I remembered the service of somebody. So, you know, doing what you do, you know, you know what you have to do to, to create and produce, being a producer. And I got to tell you, what you're doing is a great thing because you're bringing up stories. You're bringing people's life and times, you know, to the people who want to hear it. So when you're listening to this podcast, guys, you know, honor Quentin for what he does, for what bringing this to you. If you like wrestling, if you like heavy metal, if you like riding motorcycles, you know, born to ride. And, and what I've done, is, you know, I'm honored to be able to tell my story today. So I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for everything. And, you know, like I said, if they want to get in touch with me, they go through born to ride.com and, and they could contact me there. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. Check us out. Head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. There are only three good things you need in life. Sex, beer, and pure rock radio. From their Raging Violence record, that is the Mighty Hyrax with Bombs of Death. And of course, Hyrax was you know, a contemporary of Nasty Savage back, uh, back, back then, both having a track together on the metal on the UK air. And we've spoken, you know, at length on this show about the old Metal Massacre Metal Blade compilation series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Metal Massacre 6, 
both Nasty Savage and Hyrax both contributed a track to that. Imagine how cool it would be, you know, to have like a dude like Nasty Ronnie and maybe Kate and Depina from from Hyrax, like on the same show. One's living in Florida, the ones the others in LA. The stories. You know, like we we hear so many great stories, not not only on the show, but when Ducky and I are doing our our thing with Ninja Cat Productions and we're hanging with bands and they're telling us stories and all that. Like, that's awesome. Imagine you you get, you know, a handful of Nasty Ronnie's, a handful of Kate and Depinas and all that. And it just it just must blow the mind. The same could probably be said. You get a handful of pro wrestlers, the veterans. From, from the territory days and maybe from the late 90s and all that. You get a handful of them. Just sit them down. Press record. Must, especially after a few drinks. <laughs> as well. As well. Because, because Aaron, you think that um, sometimes musicians can be... Uh, can kind of be chatterboxes. And sometimes they, they can cause a little drama or whatever. Huh? You get a pro wrestler going, oh, it might it it, it could get scary. <laughs> so, well, so oh, that one so. time I hung out with Chris Masters. Oh my God, he wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, you okay, you, you 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 have to expand on this because Chris Masters is is back big time in the NWA right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching him on on Power now. So, what's up with that? Uh, he was here for a CWE. He came here through a CWE tour one time, and that's when I was helping with, like, setting up the ring and teardown and all that fun stuff. And after shows, after we took the ring down, we would always just walk down to the bar. Okay. And then we would just drink all night and talk about and shoot the shit for hours, and Chris Masters just does not stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. Okay, well, when the CWE starts doing shows again, that's when definitely we're going to have to start doing more interviews for for uh, Wrestling Night in Canada, which this interview with Nasty Ronnie as well, not only are we sharing it with all the wonderful metal fans here on this show, but we're going to give a little taste of what Nasty Ronnie is all about over on Wrestling Night in Canada as well. So everyone... If you haven't, you know, every all of our regular listeners on Radioactive Metal, if you haven't checked out Wrestling Night in Canada, that would probably be a good time to start. Because there is this kind of um, strong crossover, shall we say, between the two. And probably the first thing that kind of jumps out right now, it's WrestleMania weekend. And one of the things... That or WrestleMania has just passed, shall, shall yeah. we say? But the week, the week building up to it, one of the things that always caught wrestling fans' attention was the WWF's Hall of Fame, quote unquote. <laughs> okay, this year. Okay, first of all, we'll let Matt kind of describe what what the WWF, a WWE Hall of Fame is. Well, basically, it's just a way of honoring past stars. Uh, yeah, that have been in the, been in the company for a while. Like, not none of them have, or not all of them have necessarily won championships. It's just 
It and it's just gotten to the point now where it's like the credentials for being in the WWE Hall of Fame are that you just kind of had to be there at some point in time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really like there, and there is no physical like Hall of Fame building, mind you. Right. It's really just all on paper. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. And that that's the thing that gnaws me the most about it. It's mm-hmm. like there's no there's no building. It's just like, okay, how much does Vince Megabucks, okay? Like really, how much would it cost like to rent a building, rent a room, okay, and have an actual Hall of Fame? Like that's one of the things like like in the past on this show, Aaron and I we've discussed you know what music related, what gratuitous music thing we would do if we ever won the lottery. Okay. And we had this fantastic conversation about what 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 we would do and, and all that. And now that's got that's got me thinking. Well, I would open up a Canadian heavy metal Hall of Fame. Hmm. Okay, like, and why not? And you know, because how 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 expensive would it actually be to run and all that? Like, I well, can't. It, see. it would just be like a Rush museum, right? <laughs> well. <laughs> Oh, uh, my buddy Jason would be pissed. He's not a fan of Russ. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> there would, there, uh, a Canadian Hard Hard Music Hall of Fame, there would be a Rush Wing. Okay. You know, all, all, all its own for sure. Yeah. If there's anything from exhibit. Annihilator, just throw it out because Jeff's an asshole. So throw <laughs> it out. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Fuck. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> just hold back so much, Ducky. It's all yeah. pinned up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I I met Jeff Waters on the 2012 uh, 70,000 Tons of Metal cruise, and I can actually yeah attest to that 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 yeah Jeff's kind of a dick. <laughs> really? Yeah, he is. Really? Because I've never Did, like Snowy. Do you remember? Were you at the Annihilator show here? Did you yeah. read there? Yeah. Do you remember that we didn't load their gear out? that night no but i might have left yeah it's because jeff was talking shit and we said load your own stuff oh okay all right because like he was nice to us all day and then the tour manager and and our buddy phil is up taking the banner down he's like like three ties in and the tm comes up to us and goes jeff didn't like this jeff didn't like this jeff didn't like when you did this jeff didn't like when you did that blah 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 and it's like i was like phil get off the ladder yeah, yeah. The, the show's was, over. He was like, "Why?" I'm like, "Repeat that." And he told me again, and I'm like, "You guys can move your own shit." Phil, get down. Yeah. And we <laughs> okay. went up to Corey and told him, and he was like, "Okay," and we left. Oh uh, yeah, that's yeah. We <laughs> um yeah because then of course Mr. Corey Thomas is the 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 head honcho at Ninja Cat. I think he had just about had enough, you know, of their of their shenanigan and all that but yeah. with like with myself with with what i do i get nothing but smiles because i'm the press you, you know so i'll have the band they're they're bands are always tripping over to be nice to me yeah. <laughs> and then they don't take bullshit from us <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so like, no, so no, but if you're gonna treat your loaders like shit and we're not and we're only volunteering for the day move your own stuff yeah, oh yeah, that 
that's that that's the thing we're here because we like you you know we <laughs> we, we want to make your life easy especially yep. especially i i lose a day's pay okay when it's during the week like i lose an entire day's pay to come out and help you move your gear i mean like if it was a paid show and the the guys were dicks it's like we're gonna move it because we're getting paid and we have to be here yeah but you're gonna treat us like shit move your own stuff i don't care yeah we actually how much do we act actually see like a paid show is like one in ten really so that's yeah yeah and and also like why why bother like coming up and saying stuff like that it's like oh he didn't like this he didn't like this it's like uh what good yeah and yeah what good did that do (laughs) the show the show is over yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't matter. I don't give a right? rat's ass. But like, Jeff you just had to fucking keep, yeah, you had to keep your and mouth like, shut. Another hour was telling us this. Like the other band members were hanging out with us, and they were all chill. And then they're like, "Oh crap!" They're mm-hmm. just like, "Okay, guys, sorry, you're moving your own crap. I don't care if Jeff gets pissed. I feel bad for the dudes who were nice to us the whole time, but if." Jeff's going to be an asshole to us, and he's, like, the main guy. Yeah, fuck it. You can move your own stuff. Sorry. I get that. I get that. I get that. So. So, yeah. I don't like Annihilator. Anyway. It's okay. Now that we're done with the shit talking of our own here. With that. Yeah. Yeah. like 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 I was saying, wrestling fans, you know, the 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 drama's there. Shit, it yeah. even happened in the metal world, and, he, and, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. This year, right before WrestleMania, the Hall of Fame nominees, Ozzy Osbourne went in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Okay, I like as as a metal fan, and I want everyone's opinion on this as well. But like, as a metal fan, I was like, well, that's kind of cool. As a wrestling fan, <laughs> I went, what the fuck? <laughs> why why because really Ozzy's real only his real connection to the metal or to the wrestling world has been what appearing at Wrestlemania 2 in the British Bulldogs corner yeah, yeah. wow yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that now right. you say yeah. that I remember that <laughs> wow that, I actually was lucky enough to, to catch Ozzy in the Bulldogs' corner, WrestleMania two at the Winnipeg Arena it, during the closed circuit days before the pay per view boom, where they just set up two giant screens and uh, just just aired it to an arena, half an arena full full of people. And I thought, as as a metal fan, it's like, hey, this is this is kind of cool seeing Ozzy screaming Bulldogs forever. <laughs> You know, and then you know it makes you wonder. Like a year for a year after that, like if you walked up to Ozzy and said, "Yeah, remember when? Remember you watching Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid? Like, would he have any clue?" <laughs> now, fuck, talking about. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's I'm like not, that interview. Not... It's like that interview where he did like a commercial with like Bieber the week before, and they were like, "Oh, how was that interview with Justin Bieber? Uh, who the fuck's Justin Bieber?" <laughs> <laughs> So and I'm I'm not even I'm not even taking you know I'm not even taking the piss out of like maybe he's got a bad memory or he's so burnt on drugs or whatever stereotype you want to use about Ozzy. It's just it, to me the the whole thing just reeked of a publicity thing. 
you know, just oh yeah, just, well, like, it's WrestleMania. They, WrestleMania is always right, a right. <laughs> and so he was given this opportunity, show mm-hmm. up, wave, you know, when your name is announced, pretend like you care. Yeah, and, and like, did he retain any of that? Just oh, guaranteed. He did. No, probably not. Well, yeah. <laughs> doesn't he also have Alzheimer's now? Oh yeah, okay, but this was 1980. Yeah, yeah. this is when he, he was had doing coke it. then. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say like <laughs> if if it wasn't one thing, it's another. You know, yeah. like 1980. I, I mean, if he remembers anything from 1980, I, I'd applaud him at this point. <laughs> Yeah. If he yeah. remembers anything from 2000, I applaud at this point. Yeah. Probably, probably. Who would have thought, though, back then, okay, WrestleMania 2, that Ozzy would have outlived both British Bulldogs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> because you don't want to be the ghoul or anything, but. Yeah, it's. You know. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Both of them are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah, it's a little... like especially well, okay, when when Ronnie James Dio passed away, it was natural causes, it wasn't self inflicted or anything like that. I was actually surprised that that Dio went before Ozzy. You know? Yeah, I was surprised that was... Lemmy went before Ozzy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> Lemmy went at all. I seriously actually, thought he yeah. was invincible. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's yeah. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, it comes for us all eventually. But I, I always say, I think I made this joke on the on the last episode of Wrestling Night in Canada, or maybe it was uh, maybe it was in private. But I was like, yeah, the it's just like at the end of time, it's just gonna be Ozzy and Keith Richards. That's that's all it's gonna be left is them. Yeah, yeah. the only two people. <laughs> they just might be out. future. They might be Futurama heads in jars, but no, so was yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, so Aaron doesn't feel okay. Well, what? what's your kind of kind of what's your take, Aaron, on Ozzy in the, the WWF Hall of Fame, or does it mean anything to you? Um, I I don't think um like if it wasn't for this show, I don't think I would have even known. Oh, okay. You know, like okay. I haven't heard a word about it, not even uh, even on any of the social medias. So I feel like it really is. I, well, hell, like I have, I have a few buddies other than you that are really into pro wrestling, and nobody said a word about it. Wow, yeah, they, they probably just don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> and what, particularly yeah. they would tell me that sort of stuff. You know, because yeah. there's there's one guy who I think might have actually been at WrestleMania. Were they letting people in? Uh, this year, yeah, yeah. there was twenty five thousand people there at Raymond James. I think wow. he was one of them because he posted it on his Instagram. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Was it in Tampa, Florida? Yes. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that's where he lives. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that was him then. But he I would mean, typically he'd be the kind of guy who'd be like, "Dude, Ozzy is in the Hall of Fame." You know, I'm here at this thing because um, we have this long-standing joke between us, um, and involving oddly enough Lemmy and Motorhead. Um, we worked together and on my phone, I had a motorhead case. And so it had motorhead and, um, I can't remember how it came up, but he's like, man, he's like, that logo is different than I expected. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, 
Well, you know, because it's that song, Motorhead. I'm like, dude, that you're seeing Sister Christian right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, what? And I mean, dude, he was dead serious, like wow. 100% dead serious. And I'm like, you that's know, that's funny. like not Motorhead at <laughs> all. And then I played him Ace of Spades and it, we're just dying laughing, right? Yeah. So hey, that, that's he- one of our big jokes. He owes you a Lemmy for that. Oh, so, wow. oh, yeah. No, believe me. We made up for it. He took me some great <laughs> brew pubs when I went to visit him last time. Every I was in time Tampa. you see him, you should just be like, Motorhead. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> Every time. That, actually, that, that reminds me of this one time I was wearing, I was just at a bar. This was like maybe in like 2007, 2008. I was wearing a Machine Head shirt for the, the album, The Blackening, which had just come out around that time. Yeah. Right. Some guy see, see some guy reads it. He points at me and goes, "Hey, yeah, I love that band." And he starts singing "Machine Head" by Bush X. Okay, there is times. Okay, when wow. legally it should not be classified physical assault. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of them. Is, there is times where you should be allowed to throw a clothesline. Okay, throw a hip check. <laughs> a couple of soup bones, you know. <laughs> That's right. Give a big old soup bones. Yeah. Wow. Oh. No, I just kind of looked at him. I got my drinks, and I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, uh, you're kind of, you're wrong. Sorry, I'm yeah. not even gonna. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> my life will be richer as soon as you are out of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, like, like I said, I, I I was stoked. Okay, to see Ozzy kind of get, you know, some sort of recognition. But I knew that like the Hall of Fame is a farce. Yeah. Well, he he, he oh, wasn't only he wasn't only at WrestleMania too. I think he was a guest a guest host of Raw one week when they were doing that every week for a time. Uh, right. So. Other, yeah, other than that, I think those two times, or maybe he performed at WrestleMania one time. I think I don't know. No, I don't think so. No, they didn't like the, with the Zach Wild lineup and um, Mike Inez on base. No, no, or, I don't or Rob Trujillo on base. No, okay, uh, I don't know. We should probably ch- check that out though. Yeah, like I, 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 they they showed footage of something that may have been a, a WrestleMania, but I just don't like. I don't know if I'm remembering that wrong. Uh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure, like one of our listeners right now, who is a big wrestling fan, they're they're yelling at their iPod right now. Yeah. They're yelling at their computer. You dumbasses! Oh, Ozzy did this, this, and this. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, yeah. If I cared more, I'd, I would remember. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, like I, I no, I want to say that he played that "I Don't Want to Stop" song at or on Raw or at WrestleMania. I don't know. Oh, okay. YouTube. But, Let's. Yeah, go. yeah. Go to YouTube. I'm on it right now. <laughs> yep. Got this. This, is gonna, this is gonna bug me if we don't solve them. Oh yeah. <laughs> there we. I'll be. I'll be tossing and turning. Uh, yeah. he was only a guest host and at WrestleMania too. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. I guess All right. They they used okay. to the show was from I still concert. love that guest host one though, because Kane came out and he's just like Sarah. Oh, <laughs> love <laughs> it. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
what do you for 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 Aaron's sake here? Yeah. What do you guys remember of? And I never wrote the, I never wrote this down. Or this 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 just kind of hit me. What do you guys remember of the demon in WCW? Oh, the, the oh, shitty case. Oh, Dale Torborg. Dale Torborg. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, what did you hear about the demon, if anything, in WCW? Um, the name. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like I'm looking him up right now. I'm like, oh, and and then now I'm like, oh, wait a second. I think I do remember there being some bullshit about him using Gene Simmons makeup. But yeah, you know, like, and then Kiss played on WCW and lip synced. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, they lip synced. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, there was. Yeah, I'm starting to remember this bullshit now. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the 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 debut of the demon was that episode where they were playing and then he came out of this coffin or whatever that was like shaped I, I forget I think it was shaped like bat wings but I don't know but yeah the the demon just emerged from this coffin while Kiss was playing and that was his big debut and yeah Kiss was Kiss was Super Bowl on it <laughs> right right there was supposed to be a whole big crossover thing where Gene who ever the entrepreneur mm-hmm. okay he discovered okay look at this pro wrestling because this was this was pretty much at the height of the monday night war right like all eyes were on pro wrestling on monday night yeah i think this was like when like after wwf had uh, usurped the ratings from wcw and they were just trying so desperately to get up get it back get back in the lead mm-hmm. but everything everything they did just led them from bad to worse at that point was this around the same time Kiss did the makeup reunion tour? Yes, I believe so. Okay, so if I'm looking at the dates right, if this is like 98, 99, this is when they did Psycho Circus? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, I checked out. And and like I I do vaguely remember this, but there was... The Psycho Circus tour was so disappointing with um, Peter and Ace's performances that I had totally checked out on Kiss. Because I, I like... Every Kiss show I had seen up until the Psycho Circus tour was absolutely the best Kiss show I'd ever seen. And the Psycho Circus, I'm like, oh, I didn't know they could suck. Okay. And, um, surprise. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's still, thankfully, that's the only bad show I've seen. Um, but it, it's, it was just so heartbreaking that, um, yeah, I think I checked out on everything that was going on because now I'm reading this stuff. Like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this. Um, but I think I was just like, God, no, <laughs> I, I just felt, felt just so sticky because of, of the fact that like the tour sucked, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, right. the nice thing is that Paul and Gina both addressed the fact that yes, that did suck because Paul and Ace weren't putting it into it and that's why they're not there anymore. So, you know, if, if, at least they did acknowledge it and address it, but it still sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole thing, the whole demon thing. It's like, okay, this is this is good if you're a Kiss fan. Okay, I just don't see the crossover appeal. I just don't understand. I just don't see like a, a wrestling fan that has no interest in the rock band Kiss going, yeah. Ha, 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 rock, yeah, the demon tonight. Yeah. On yeah. Nitro. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. I just don't see that. You know what would have no, been funnier? He should have done <laughs> King Diamond's original makeup. And call himself a demon. Yeah, that, that would be yeah. hysterical. Yeah, the the biggest problem was that they were just aiming at the complete wrong demographic. Oh like, yeah, 
Yeah, like that's that's really what the yeah the, what the downfall was there was that, and like the, I think they they promised Gene Simmons that the the demon would get a main event match or something, and it ended yeah. up being like on an episode of Thunder. <laughs> and then it was like nobody watched it, and they're just like, "Well, that was it. That was <laughs> so, it. Yeah, that was your main event match, Gene." <laughs> well, and the Do thing guys... is, at this time, like just. This is almost like the second round of '70s Kiss because Kiss was in everything. I think this—I I can't remember if this is when they started, but remember there's like um, a, a little kiss of Cherry and the Dr Pepper, and they'd have like the Kiss, you know, little people band mm, playing. Oh, yeah. Like like that. That's when a lot of all that really crazy hokey marketing stuff started up. Yeah, and they they put their they put their name and faces on literally everything they could. Yeah, I think I still have a kiss condom somewhere. Uh, uh, yeah. Just to have it. I, Never use it. Yeah. I, I do remember, I, I saw it on YouTube because I just like, it was in like my, my suggestions and I couldn't believe it. And it was like Paul Stanley doing a Folgers coffee commercial. Oh, like, I haven't seen that. I need to find yeah, that. You're Paul Stanley say, the best part of waking up. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I would literally put that on my like my alarm clock radio. I would want to wake up to that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you sang a bunch of stuff before that, but it's not important. You just wanted to hear him sing the catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's all I want to hear. The best yeah. part of waking up. Yeah. You know, and yep. and I would want yeah. the like yeah. the whole Paul Stanley shtick beforehand, like Folgers, you coffee <laughs> drinkers out there, who's got a cup of Folgers? <sighs> you know, yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to radioactive metal, you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's what Snowy deals with all the time. Well, that's right. And after after I watched that, I also discovered that uh, Dio had done a advertisement for Budweiser to the tune of really uh Rainbow in the Dark instead of instead of saying like a rainbow in the dark he said this buds for you. Oh, I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah, it was it was it was a radio one only. No 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 actual TV for it. Oh, okay. Oh, I need to so, I need to find that one cuz I can't even picture that. Yeah. No, it's like this buds for you or <laughs> <laughs> I know, wow. right now. Do you do you guys think that maybe okay for the demon character it just might have been too late? Do you think maybe the demon might have worked in the territories? Uh, I don't know because in the territories people were kind of all like I don't think people had really seen. Well, maybe it would have because that like that whole thing was kind of new back then. Like the whole supernatural character, like nobody had seen the Undertaker yet, right? Or Kane or any of those types of characters. So uh, there's a chance that it may have taken off, but it really, uh, it's hard to say because it was such a flop in WCW. I I don't think it would have worked because uh, for anybody who, I mean, because I mean, unless you've been under a rock, you know who Kiss is. Love him or hate him, you're aware of them. And especially Gene Simmons, right? And Mm. I just feel that you can't, cross brand that sort of thing you know it's not like he's nike you know no that's that's true uh yeah i think the hardcore wrestling fans would have rejected it as soon as they found out that there was a there was an actual like brand or band attached to it that wasn't a part of wrestling yeah they would just be like oh unpure unpure like maybe (laughs) in the 70s like i maybe in the 70s like just as kiss was coming up like a match or two could, they could have pulled off, but I just don't. I don't feel like. 
Yeah. Yeah, like it's not, maybe it's not working it, for me. It might have worked as a special guest enforcer or something, but not not as a regular wrestler. I'm thinking. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like during wow. during the territory days because that was what it was the territory days like when Kiss and wrestling were at its peak and all that. So yeah. 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 Um but de- but 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 definitely like when you think of you think of a outlandish characters you you think of like like Kiss and we mentioned King Diamond and just 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 people like that these people would be good fits for pro wrestling in some way shape or form because these days pro wrestling has the outlandish characters I hate yeah. that word I prefer athletes okay <laughs> but for, for the sake of this conversation People like the misfits, okay, are definitely more character than athlete, try as they might have. Do you guys remember the misfits time in WCW? Yes, I do. Vaguely, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Yeah, yeah it's like a, a blink for me. Yeah. I'm only twenty eight, it's definitely a blink for me. <laughs> okay. No, no, that that that's fair. I remember the the first time I saw them, he was um, Van Vampire brought him in, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And like they they had like the the Deadpool, or, or well, okay, for now first of all, Vampiro had a thing with the Insane Clown Posse. Yeah, they were the Insane Clown Posse has been across WWF and WCW, so yeah, that yeah, but and they WCW. were. The, you know, it's yeah, funny. Yeah, like insane clown posse is so Dumb. hokey from the get go <laughs> that it works. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. They they even have their own wrestling. They call it Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Oh yeah. my goodness! Well, have you ever watched that, the Juggalo documentaries? It. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen the Juggalo documentaries. Yeah, they're kind of those people are. It's yeah. like I mean, I mean, do, do your thing, but just leave me out of that. That's it, just... <laughs> it's like. If meth would have been at Woodstock, that's the festival of the Juggalos. <laughs> meth instead of acid. Yeah, seriously. Like, because I'm watching this documentary, and then there's just like the one girl just comes out of the tent totally naked, and she's posing with people that are taking pictures, you know, and they're just talking to the camera. I'm like, okay, this is like Woodstock on meth. Like that's mm. really what it felt like. That's that's uh yeah that's probably the most accurate description I've ever heard of that actually that's yeah mm-hmm. dang on and now I have homies <laughs> stuck in my head uh, you're welcome but I like that song so that's okay with me can you edit that no so once ICP you know because they are a international recording act they can't play a wrestler all the time they actually have to go on the road and all that so they had to balk from wcw so vampiro who in his own regard good good canadian boy although he does certainly doesn't come across as it he um brought in the misfits i guess they were friends outside of the ring which that really stands to reason that vampiro and the misfits would kind of would kind of be friends and all that. So he, he brought them in them, got them signed with, with WCW and they debuted Vampiro against, um, uh, 
Berlin at the time, I believe. Oh yeah, Alex Wright when he was right. Berlin. <laughs> yeah. Right. I I need to ask the um, novice question here. Did ICP actually wrestle? Well, if you want to call it that, yeah, they, yeah, they commentary. <laughs> They were on commentary a couple of times. And they actually got in the ring? Because, I mean, the one guy, isn't he basically like a stick figure? Both one of them is, ready. but yeah. too violent, too dope, or whatever, the bigger guy. Yeah, Shaggy, too dope. He's the bigger guy. Okay. <laughs> I'm not up on my ICP right now. Okay. One of my one of my guitar students back in the 90s loved ICP, so I learned them all through him. Ah, like, okay. and that's how I knew about the Juggalos. Everything, like he was just obsessed. Okay, well, okay. one of them actually wrestled, and the other kind of just kind of did his thing. And like I said, very very basic wrestling, if you really want to call it that. I don't know exactly what what their training reg- regimen was. Okay, but it's not like the Misfits really had much of a training regiment either i believe jerry only though was the only one that actually attempted to wrestle he bought his own ring they signed him to a contract to be an in-ring performer and all that he just you know once that's that's all great look we got jerry only from the misfits and all that but then the bell rings you know, and it's like, holy shit, we're not getting any flare steamboats out of uh, out of Mister Only here. Nope, <laughs> no, definitely not. We're gonna so, get a top, a scoop slam, and that's it. How did he, so? How did he do? Because I mean, he's he's a pretty you know sizable gentleman, but I mean, everybody in um, whatever we call this thing now, because I you know I'm still stuck on WWF, but um. Like they're all big dudes now, like real big dudes. Well, no, not necessarily. Uh, they're actually like smaller than they've been ever, really. Really? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 remembering the the days of the WWF where it was Hulk Hogan, one man gang, the big boss man, Andre the Giant. Yeah, but like well, The Rock, Stone Cold, like those guys are massive. Well, yeah, okay. the guys now are smaller than that. Um, Wow, really? Yeah, but even even then, probably like, the only really massive one now is Bobby Lashley. Yeah, that's true. Or Braun yeah. Strowman. Yeah. Oh, Braun. Yeah. Braun yeah. Strowman's a truck, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like most of the like like put it in this perspective, like when Chris Jericho was in the WWF, he was a smaller guy. Now he's in AEW, and he looks like one of the bigger guys compared to most of the guys there. It's it's kind of mm-hmm. weird. I remember reading that he was considered a smaller guy, and isn't he like six two? Yeah, he's he's not short. <laughs> like, he, yeah, he's... like I feel like he's a really massive guy. Like I mean, he's a couple inches taller than I am, and I mean, w- with all the muscles, I'm like I'm gonna feel quite tiny beside him. Yeah, yeah. He's I, I I when I, the one time I was face to face with him, I did have to look up a bit. Like, Looks like and... look at um the butcher and the blade too. Butcher's a big dude. Oh yes, what's his name from? Uh... Every time I, every time I die, yeah, I've met him. When every time I die, we're here. He's a big. Oh, okay. oh he's Will. huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Yeah, we were, yeah, I was hanging out with them. It was weird. Okay, see, I, I like, nowhere, nowhere in I, my notes. And you know how I'm changing subject for just a second. Go you know on. how the park theater, how we used to have a ladder to put the fucking banners up. Totally. Right. That. Re- <laughs> <laughs> 
that rickety that rickety <laughs> old piece of shit where you get halfway up and it shakes. And you yeah, I fell off that one day. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> yeah, that. I, 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 I tried to catch Aaron. But, I know he uh, tried so hard. <laughs> I've almost fallen off the damn thing. But mm. like, and then Andy looks up at it and like shakes it around. And he's like, I've jumped off worse. And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> he's like, I've yes. backflipped off rickettier ladders than this. I'm like, you sure? This one's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, I... I totally forgot all like I nowhere in my notes do I have Chris Jericho, do I have Andy Williams and all that. So next year, guys, we have to do this again. Because like there's just so much so much to talk about mm-hmm. you know with this. Yeah. And of course, um Doyle. Doyle von Frankenstein went on um he was actually married. He that's where he met Gorgeous George. Not not the original Gorgeous yeah. George, okay, but the the very, very beautiful and beluxum valet Stephanie Bellers. She mm. went by the name Gorgeous George, which I assume she took from the from the legendary Gorgeous George from from back in the fifties and all that. And they, wow. sorry, one hell of a coincidence, if not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. She either took it from him or she had no idea who he was. Oh, wouldn't that be sick? Yeah. Okay, if you if you were in WCW and you had no idea who Gorgeous George was, that... Yeah, that's like you, getting into wrestling now and not knowing who Ric Flair is. Come on. Right, right. Woo! You should have your, you should have your contract, <laughs> you know, you should have your contract void. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In, Why do you woo okay. when Ric Flair comes out? It's the law. Yeah, that's you, true. you have to. Okay, okay, so, okay. So speaking of which, we'll 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 get off track here a bit. But Aaron, you're in yeah. you're in the Carolinas. I, I yes, I've heard that rumor. Yes. What is like the general scuttlebutt about Ric Flair? Um, he seems to be very favorably looked upon. Like, um, the cool thing is. When, so when I got here in 2014, I was working with a guy that we we told everybody he was my little brother, and people believed us because he just you know looked like it. But he was into wrestling, and every you know every time we had a group of new hires we were working with, he'd get them all to do the woo with him. And <laughs> nobody had a problem with Ric Flair. Everybody knew about it. Everybody did it, and it was just it's just a thing, you know. It's mm-hmm. kind of like Elvis down here. You know, or like when I was in Tennessee, um, I, I shit you not, when I was living in Tennessee, Johnny Cash died. We had a moment of silence at the call center. Mm, when oh, I was working there. No yeah, doubt. like 15, 15 oh, minutes, perfect. just everything was shut down for Johnny and Cash. When you when you were in in Memphis. No, I was in Nashville. Did the name what oh okay. Okay. Well okay, that's that that's still the same territory. Um <laughs> No, not really, but go ahead. <laughs> Well, okay, okay. In terms that, of that's like, oh well, you yeah, Toronto, Winnipeg, they're next door neighbors. <laughs> okay, it's in Tennessee. Well, they're in the same Nashville. state, yes, but right, so are Pittsburgh right. and Philadelphia, and those aren't close either. <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. How 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 big time was the name Jerry Lawler in Nashville? I, you know, I don't remember ever really hearing that down there. Okay, all right. Hmm. I I figured okay, well maybe. With Flair, because Lawler, Jerry Lawler, Jerry the King Lawler, 
in Tennessee, that that territory was like fucking Elvis. That's where he got the name, the King. As, yeah, as gotcha. well. He okay. Was, he was yeah. he was so over huge, like he he could do no when 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 he was a baby face, he could beat the snot out of a a uh, a bus full of nuns, you know, with the <laughs> with the broken arm of an orphan or whatever, and everyone would still love Lawler back then. And that's probably what like Flair is like. He's this legendary figure in the Carolinas now as well. Misfits. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, misfits. Where, where are we again? <laughs> so why did Jerry wrestle and Doyle didn't? Because I feel like Doyle is more the build for the wrestling. Uh yeah, that's a that's a good question. I I think only just was the only one. That had the in the inclination to actually get in the ring and do it. Like it takes a certain like you can't just oh you can try, but you will definitely be exposed very quick. Like if you're just a big goon, you know, with a with a with a muscular physique and all that, the second you step into the ring and you take those first couple bumps, you might be thinking, Ooh, okay, this is probably not for me. And that's probably, well, you know. Well, like, look at Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor from WrestleMania 11 after he fu- uh, wrestled Bam Bam Bigelow. Like, Don't remind me. Oh, yeah, Bam he, Bam Bigelow. Was... There's a name I remember. <laughs> okay. Apparently, like, bam Bam. After the match, he was apparently so exhausted backstage that he couldn't even stand. So he and he gave props to the wrestlers after that. He's like. I couldn't do this on a daily basis. I don't know how you do this. And this is a football player, okay? Mm-hmm. This is a guy who gets paid to run. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> run that way, go! Yeah. So, yeah, for him to be physically exhausted after one wrestling match, that says something right there about what it takes to be a wrestler. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I think I think that's that's the misconception of just a lot of Joe and Jane average. Because it's quote unquote scripted, it's quote unquote pre predetermined. So then, well, they can't possibly get hurt. They can't, you know. There's there's no there's no actual physical exertion to this, mm-hmm. and you know, and like the people that are broken and battered, and you know, are in wheelchairs, like they'll look at you and go, like, "Sorry, people who are addicted to painkillers and have died early because of it." Right. Yeah, because of just the toll that it does take on the body. And I think that's very short-sighted as well. All right. Yeah. I, no, no off-season in pro wrestling. I'm that's assuming you guys have all watched the Glow series on Net, Net, Netflix with Mark Marin. Yeah. I've seen a couple episodes. Okay. Uh, no. Really? Okay, you should you should watch it. Like, I right. I got a kick out of it, and, um, and here's why I'm going to plug it, because... I didn't realize how like how much physical abuse really went into that gig until watching the one girl takes the other two girls to her brothers who are pro wrestlers to train and they start showing them like how to fall and all this sort of stuff. And, and then, you know, like watching all that, I'm like, oh, hell, like this is like judo and football and chess all at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. I did. I did go through some training. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I had a couple classes too, and when I walked out, and I I was a young buck back then too, and when I walked out of those couple trainings, I knew okay, 
Well, this this is going to be a rough ride. I was ready to go through it all, but my trainer kind of flaked out on me and and all that, and that was kind of the end of that. But yeah, oh, just 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 a couple just 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 a couple sessions. I was uh, was battered and bruised. What was your yeah, wrestling I, character going to be? Were you going to be the Yeti? <laughs> the Yeti. Hey, dude, there's been a Yeti. There's been a Yeti. I hate to say it. Damn it! That'd have been perfect. So he was a mummy more than a Yeti, though. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know. Honestly, I think I think my my name. I think Snowy White would translate well into pro wrestling as well. I figured I would just wear jeans, t-shirt, but a white old school destroyer type mask. I just okay. call myself Snowy White. Yes, <laughs> I think that would work. Here's a question for you. Uh oh. Would Snowy White do a death match? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would probably be better trained to do a death match than a Broadway for sure. All right. So here here's what I'm picturing, right? So you've got your jeans, you've got like um a horror film t shirt, right? Right. But then I want to see you in like a white on white like shades of white luchador style mask. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that, that's, that's what, what I'm I, imagining what, here. Okay. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, so his alter ego is Gray Mysterio. <laughs> gray Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> right Excellent. on. There. Now that's a bad name too, right there. Gray, gray Mysterio. Okay. Gray Mysterio. <laughs> right on. So. At this point, like the more we talk about this, like wrestling has to be like trying to pick a fucking band name, right? Because like every every band name you come up with, like oh this it's taken or somebody's used it like twenty years ago or whatever. Like mm-hmm. how do you even come up with a wrestling name in today's world? Uh, sometimes it's just an ultimate spelling of their real name. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, Dave Batista. Like there's a there's there's a U in his actual last name, like Buatista. Okay. Okay. Batista, but his wrestling name it was just Bas. Uh, yeah, no U. Batista, yeah. Sorry, Bat. Yeah, Batista. Okay. And like Rick, Rick Flair, his 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 real name is Richard Flair. Oh, Fleer, that's yeah. that's yeah. that's a good play on words. Kayfabe, Snowy. God damn. Oh, geez, sorry. <laughs> or the uh. Steiner brothers. Uh, their last name is actually like their their names are Rick and Scott, but their last last name is actually. Rick Steiner. Yeah. So they're Scott Rick Steiner and Rick Rick Steiner. Oh, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I remember. I remember when Rick Steiner, like you, you knew back then in the old UWF, this guy was going to be a star, like before his, his little brother showed up. Mm-hmm. And, and then started doing math problems and entertained us all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a 129% chance of winning. Yeah, you had sixty-six and two-thirds check percent. <laughs> and now, and now Rick Steiner is a uh, is uh, he works for a, a school board, an athletic school board in in Georgia now, I believe. And his kid is and his kid is training at the performance center. Oh, yeah, the really? Center, yeah. Wow, second generation Steiners. I'm feeling old. Yeah, I think Scott Steiner's the manager at a restaurant somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he he owns a Shoney's or whatever. Oh, right, right, right. It's not called the Booty Daddy Restaurant? What the fuck? (laughs) That's the secret menu. 
Yeah. <laughs> Secret man, you called the hookup. <laughs> and you have to wear, yeah. wear chainmail while eating. <laughs> oh yeah, chain yeah, chainmail headdress. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I I would actually frequent a place like this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The person with the worst Scott Steiner impersonation of the day gets a camel clutch. <laughs> oh, camel clutch there's a bad name oh, as well man. holy shit mm. right on so oh, oh, overall what you guys what guys you guys recall were you were you like were you impressed with or disappointed with or what was your overall impression of the misfits in WCW I just remember they were there and then one day they were gone and mm-hmm. I didn't really think anything of it after that, right? Without really, without really much fanfare, or, you know. Like I, I don't think I, I, I don't know how many people actually said, you know what? I haven't seen the Misfits in WCW in a while. What's going on with them and all that? I guess people could have just kind of attributed it in the same way as why ICP left. Well, they can't do this forever. They have to tour. Mm. A part of me kind of wishes- or they don't listen to music and they're like, where did that gimmick go? yeah but a part of me now in hindsight kind of wishes that when the the demon and vampiro were feuding with each other that both kiss and the misfits would have stuck around and then jerry only and gene simmons would have had this like bass player showdown that would have been the greatest wrestling match ever (laughs) like that yeah yeah the two of the well i don't want to say the word worst but Worst bass players in me. Oh, come on now. <laughs> I think they are two of the best bass players. Yeah. My standards are a little different. <laughs> Listen, man, you, you cannot <laughs> deny either one of those men are solid. Well, okay. They're rock solid. <laughs> Even if you want to give Gene wow. shit, man, like go back and listen to the Destroyer record. There's some great lines on that record. Oh, uh, there is. Okay, well, oh, you're killing I, me. I just, I just don't, I don't associate like with, like the bass lines and Kiss songs and Misfits songs. It's all guitar riffs to me. I don't know. Uh, well, Maybe I just don't know about either band. Yeah, but the, I mean, sometimes it's not a glamorous life, but the bass player's just gotta like hold down that low end and keep the pulse going. You know, he's part yeah, of the well, rhythm that's, section. That's what Ian Hill's. That's what Ian Hill's been doing for. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like okay. I think I want Ian Hill on this show more than I want Rob Halford. Okay, okay, because Hill, Hill, as much as we all love Halford and all that, but there, there's a guy that just didn't want to be noticed. Okay, no, like, he just he just played his parts. He held down the low end, and he just kind of rocked back and forth along with KK and uh, Glenn, and yeah, that was basically it. It didn't it, like. Of all the live footage I've ever seen of Judas Priest, it never looks like Ian Hill's fretting hand moves anywhere. But <laughs> but he held it down and gotten a career out of it. So oh, was, definitely, definitely. That's because they it use is. a lot of open strings. Yeah, uh, okay, that's fair enough. He's just riding the E string for most of it, dude. Play, playing um, Judas Priest songs in a band I was in in college, I did that three sheets to the wind with very little practice, and believe me, nobody knew. <laughs> Well, yeah. So I guess in that respect, you could say that he made a career out of it. Same with Gene Simmons. Same with, well, I guess, uh, Nikki Six. <laughs> so, yeah, I can go back and forth on Nikki, but man, the early Kiss bass lines are harder than you think. 
Oh, Matt, what have you wrought? <laughs> well, okay, I'll admit the only kiss I really know is what I hear on the radio. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, never, you're, you're not getting the best. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I own a few kiss records, but that's about it. I actually. <laughs> I went record shopping this morning as we speak, and I had the Destroyer record in my hand. I was contemplating it. What's that? I have Destroyer. (laughs) Yeah, I I had it when I was a kid, and I don't know what happened to my vinyl copy, and I was contemplating it today. Like, I needed another copy of it. And And then you'll find it, right? Yeah, well, I, I had a copy in my hand, and I kind of passed on it probably the next time. I'm in the shop because it's a hell of a record. I was downtown today. I I thought about stopping there. Ah, uh, where were when when? At like three thirty. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was at work. I know this 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 is riveting conversation for our listeners as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> digging it. You know. <laughs> This is what well, an episode of Wrestling Night in Canada is like. We just get off topic all the time. And then some of our episodes end up being three hours. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. 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 Well. So that so that doesn't happen tonight with the idea of all of these outlandish characters and all that. Like when the misfits, you know, being in WCW, it it, it just it just kind of makes you think there's a number of of artists, you know, and people like within the heavy metal world that would be like, man, like this dude or girl, mm-hmm. woman, lady is just screaming, screaming to get in the ring and to 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 participate either as an in-ring performer or maybe as a manager or a mouthpiece or maybe a play-by-play guy or whatever like because there's just just like like the music world like we always talk about on radioactive metal we love band interviews but there are so many other avenues and so many other things that you can do within the genre same thing goes with the wonderful world of pro wrestling Mm -hmm. and all that so there's a definitely a number of unique very unique characters that I think in the metal world that would translate well, even better than the demon. Okay. (laughs) That would translate into the wonderful world of wrestling. Um, And definitely the first one that kind of pops into my head being an old school, you know, metal head from, from back in the day, none other than pile driver himself. Do you guys know anything of old Piley? Uh, you've mentioned him on, on Wrestling Night in Canada last time we were talking about the, the metal affiliation. Right. I, have, I'm not, I haven't really actually listened to Piledriver, though, I will admit. <laughs> okay, well, you, you guys have homework, okay? Check okay. out something from Piledriver. Like the metal. Yeah. <laughs> you guys gotta check out the Metal Inquisition album. And when you take a look at old Piley himself, Piledriver. To Spotify. Okay. like okay like there's no way that like he has these big long spikes and you know on his arms and on his mask and all that you 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 obviously he couldn't wrestle in those but once you take those off you know from the pile driver from 
the eighties and even now, and I'm not going to use his given name, but old 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 Piley, I think maybe he might make a good like today. He might make a good um, bodyguard or just uh, a mouthpiece. You know, because old Piley can still yip it up on the mic for sure. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine if you will, okay, because like pile drivers outfit, okay, you guys, okay, even Aaron, you would remember Demolition. I I remember all these names, but like it was hard for me to watch any wrestling in the first place because we didn't have any kind of cable TV, so oh, I had to okay. wait for anything to come on broadcast. We got like two channels because of where we lived in the first place. Um, because remember, like I've pretty much always lived in the sticks, one way or another. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. But but you, you guys, the wrestling guys here, you guys would remember Demolition and their outfits, Axe and Smash, Axe and Smash, yeah. Which they had a hell of a theme song. Was on the other day, so sorry. WrestleMania Four was on the network the other day, so I watched it. Oh, right on. (laughs) Right on, right on. It's they, sad going back and watching those old events and going, all these guys in this match are dead. Are dead. Yeah, oh, dead. God. Yeah, that's that's sad. That is <laughs> scary. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pop Piledriver had, you know, his, his outfits were very similar to Demolition, except he had a mask, a black mask over his face as well. Mm-hmm. And, and all that. So I think old Piledriver... Was def would translate and the name? Like, come on, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it makes me want to get Piley on the horn and say, like, are you an actual wrestling fan? Like, do you want to come on Wrestling Night in Canada as well? You know, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, I think he might, uh, he he might be an interesting person to talk to, much like Nasty Ronnie, you know. Yeah, sure, for sure, for sure. So, what what about you guys? Do you guys have any suggestions as to what? You know, metal musician might make a good pro wrestler. Yeah, I do. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, we all recall, or Aaron doesn't obviously, but uh, in dur- during the Attitude Era in the late '90s, there was the Hardcore Championship, and there was the 27 rule that was around the Hardcore Championship. That was that the champion, like the all Hardcore matches were falls count anywhere in the building or anywhere in general. So, like, and the belt had to be defended 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. A a metal musician that would work great, like, just smashing things over people's heads and trying to win the championship would be Paul Bailoff from Exodus. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I can picture, like, Paul Bailoff hitting people with trash can lids, chairs, smashing jars over their heads, and, like, just... Like just saying is like what did he used to say is like smash everything leave nothing unsmashed, <laughs> dude. I wanted, oh, and then he probably had Bitor in the ring with him, right? His yeah. wolf. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that would oh that's like the perfect gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I never even thought of that. That's yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just as long as just as long as. Mr. Bailiff doesn't go in the middle of a wrestling ring, okay, and then says, I want to see a dead poser. Oh. <laughs> do it on the Indies. His finishing move can be called the Poser Disposer. <laughs> there we are, yeah. Poser Disposer. The poser Disposer. 
That and would it's be a pile perfect. driver. That yeah. Work? yeah. Oh, that would definitely work. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I need to ask a serious question here about this. Because oh. we're talking about Ozzy earlier in the and being the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Is Motorhead in this Wrestling Hall of Fame? That's, Not yet. That's that's a great question because like there is such a strong connection to um to uh motorhead and the wwe because of triple h yeah you know he's a big motorhead fan he was good friends with lemmy and i think motorhead used three of their songs for yeah there was the game king of kings Kings, line in the sand and yeah. didn't didn't they play a Raw or something? They played. Or... They did two WrestleMania entrances for him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Lemmy was very unintelligible both times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it he is Lemmy. Wasn't singing, singing the lyrics <laughs> of the game properly. It was just like. That's a really good impression. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, he doesn't yeah. have the bottle of Jack. No, <laughs> I do. I do. I got the limits going here. I just, I, just got my water. I just got my water sitting right here next to my uh, my very cherished WNIC championship belt. Oh, which... oh, oh, rubbing it in. <laughs> yeah. By the way, by the way, I'm the new champion. For those who didn't know, radioactive metal exclusive. First ever. <laughs> yep. Three time yeah. champ right here. I got the belt. Yes. Woo-hoo. Yes, over at Wrestling hey, Night in Canada. I want to hear Snowy ran for a second. Do you want to know what the next pay-per-view is called? Uh-oh, fuck. WrestleMania Backlash. Oh, oh God. Christ. Now, we'll, we'll get into that on WNIC. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. In case anyone's wondering what we're talking about, over at Wrestling Night in Canada, we have the friendly rivalry between the three of us where we make, we make picks for every uh, pay-per-view. And then whoever has the best record for that event is the is the is the champion. And Mr. Copper here is the current WNIC champion. Oh, I lost by one. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but a loss is a loss. That's right. Technically, I never lost the title, but hey, you know, three-time champion sounds good. So I'll there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. If if anyone is going to get just just in terms of we're talking about big men. You know, big big guys that would make good good wrestlers and all that. George George Fisher mm. from, from Cannibal Corpse, which by the way, the new Cannibal Corpse record as we speak drops today. I listened to the first three songs on my way to work. Holy shit! Right on. Yeah, I've well. heard two songs. The ones they've released. I'm waiting for my vinyl bundle from Indie Merch to come in the mail before I listen to the whole thing. Fair enough. Uh, when I was in the shop today, they were just putting the new CD out, and our buddy Jace at Into the Music, our listen, our radioactive metal listeners know who Jace is. He said to me, "Snowy, I got the yeah. Cannibal Corpse CD here, but where's the vinyl? They never sent the vinyl." Mm. Uh, yeah, all conditions. Hell's Headbangers, <laughs> cough cough. Hell's Headbangers, order one. Oh yes, yes. Hell'sHeadbangers.com. Go and give those boys a uh, shout. I don't mind pushing them because because those those brothers are definitely brothers here. I ordered on the show. I ordered three records from them in the last four days. I don't know. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, Ducky, ordered... I don't I don't blame you for holding off because like opening a vinyl and like just the smell of it and 
putting that putting the needle on the grooves is a lot more yeah. exciting than just clicking a button. Oh, Sometimes yeah, when you know new it. records come out, like if I if I didn't order the record, yeah, I'll I'll Spotify it. But mm. like if a new record comes out and I'm waiting for it, like I'm waiting for the vinyl, I'm like come on, I gotta wait. I don't want to hear the rest of this album yet. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got the notification. I got the notification this morning for YouTube Music. He's like new Cannibal Corpse album. I was like, mm, all right, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> It's like uh, it's like when Ingested recently uh, re-released their first demo for the first time on vinyl. Oh, really? And it was supposed to ship in January, but because of delays of due to the Carino and all that crap, it didn't ship till the middle of March. Oh, so there was two months. I'm like, I can't listen to it. I can't listen to it. I gotta <laughs> wait. <laughs> For those for those wondering what he means by Carino, that's what we call COVID nineteen on on WNIC because it's named right. after Steve Carino, the wrestler. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For sure enough. Sure enough. Yeah. Oh, oh, corpse, corpse grinder. Like with that neck and that build. Like, tell me that's not a wrestler. Oh, he was he was on my list too, man. I hundred percent agree with you. All right, here here's my take, right? So the characters that are like the death characters, like in the makeup and stuff, basically they need every black metal band, like oh. all of them. <laughs> what I was gonna say, I'm like, you mean every black metal group from the '90s? Yeah, yeah, like all of them. They need all of them. They all come out at once, and it's called Legion. Like they summon the legion and they just swarm hey. the ring. And the leader and the leader is dead from mayhem. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I was gonna say the leader would be Aboth, but okay, what do I know? Aboth, yeah. Yeah. He'd be hilarious. He'd be doing like weird shit in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> if the Undertaker can rise from the dead, then dead can rise from the dead. Yeah. Okay. I just got another Mayhem record the other day, too, because they only have six albums. But now they're re-releasing all their old, like, rehearsals and live shows when Dead was still alive. And it's like, fuck. So I have 18 Mayhem records. Holy shit. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) I thought I had a problem. Holy shit. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. You've seen my collection, Snowy. I have a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't wait till this. I can't wait till this. This Carino just b- blows over. So, because I just want to. I okay, just want to go to a fucking concert. Wait, why? Well, I want to do that too, but I just want to get together with friends. Like, remember when we were teenagers and all that, where we just hung out and just played records and talked about yeah. music. Like, yeah. like when when was the last time like you did that? Uh, you know. A couple weeks ago, when I had to stop by Cabins to pick up the Hell Moon record off him. Well, uh, no, right. not that time, but the time before when I grabbed the Nocturnal Departure hoodie, I was there for like two hours. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And we just right sat on. and listened to records and talked. I'm like, I miss friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, our, our our regular listeners will know that that Cabin is um and Nocturnal Departure. We've had him on this show. They recently signed directly to Hell's Headbangers. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of 
radioactive metal alumni. A couple of weeks ago, I was hanging out with Derek Kroll from the band Votog. Right. Yeah, we were just spinning some records and listening to music, so that's having a couple of beers. And, to... Snowy, you missed it. He stopped by during when we were watching WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'll see. Okay, yeah. I'm just, just kind of off the record here. I'm taking... I'm now starting the steps to get a life again outside of work and these four walls and this show and the occasional trip to the liquor store like this. Yeah, perhaps, <laughs> or perhaps like I'm, I'm actually going to start having a life again soon. Okay. Well, <laughs> whenever so, you want to come down, man, I'm so looking so forward like to it. Saturday at mania when we were watching it here. And Grandma just goes, oh, you guys miss Snowy this afternoon? And you were like, Snowy is here? That motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, why didn't he stay? But then, yeah, that's, yeah you, you had some some things to do. So It's, yeah. it's, ni- it's nice to be loved. It's nice to yep. be loved. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. What, what You guys got any, any other suggestions here? Who would, uh, make, a, would make a good pro wrestler? Um... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it. Corey Thomas. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, well, yeah. look at yeah. look how that boy's built. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And once again, Mr. Corey Thomas, he's the main man behind Ninja Cat Productions. And he's actually a fantastic drummer for a number of really cool grindcore bands as well. And he's toured all over North America. And we've had him on the show. You know, big big boss man Corey and all that. We'll have him on again. He actually gets a lot of people to say, like, do you take steroids? Do you do this? Do you do that? And I'm like, huh. like, why is why is that the go-to? And it's kind of relevant because instantly everyone and obviously steroids in pro wrestling has been a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that that's the go-to. Like, do you really think Abdullah the Butcher is on steroids. Like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> you know, um, maybe he was taking them and just wasn't working out. That's how he got so big. <laughs> <laughs> if there's if there's one thing I could never do, okay, and that's like anything that you gotta like. It's not that I'm afraid of needles or whatever, but anything that you gotta shove a needle into me, like, <sighs> uh, yeah. I don't absolutely have to. It's okay. I could never be a heroin addict. I could never be, you know, on steroids and all that. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm up there with you with the needles. Oh, I have another suggestion for people who would be a good wrestler. Please. I don't remember. I'm not good with names. You know this. The chick from Savage Master. That works. Stacey Savage. That works. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, with the characters, and I'm going to get into a suggestion that's re- kind of relevant as well. C- characters in the WWE, like um, Shotzi Blackheart. Mm-hmm. Shotzi Savage. Sweetheart. I've met her. She's a sweetheart. Oh, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want yeah. proof? I yeah. can send she, you pictures. I, I believe you. I believe you. No, <laughs> no. And I, I think Shotzi's a legit metalhead too, yeah, right? Yeah, she is. Yep, yeah, we she were is. Okay. Music. Yeah. okay, so as soon as they let her go... She's on this show for sure, for sure. We 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 have, we have to get her on. I think Stacy Savage that that works with that kind of gimmick as well. Mm-hmm. You know, kind kind of like the metal chick without 
without overdoing it just just enough because like you you have a character like rosemary over at impact and rosemary's my girl okay like she's she's a good one oh yeah good good winnipeg girl and all that but her character is just way over the top which is fine Okay, now Stacy Savage would not necessarily be way over the top. She would be just right, okay? Which kind of brings me to my suggestion. Joe Bench from Bolt Thrower. Okay, take, take. okay, like she's just a, a bassist and all that. She doesn't seem very intimidating or anything, but you Is take... Is this the anti-bassist that. episode tonight? No, she's no, just no, a bassist? No, no, Gene's no, just a bassist? No, no, Jerry Only's just a bassist? Man, we're just hating on bass players tonight. That's my main fucking instrument, gentlemen. (laughs) I I record bands. I know I I have a thing with bass players. Yeah. Okay, well, Aaron's next album, we're going to get Matt to produce it, and it's going to be gold. Well, so what's funny is is, uh, actually when we started talking before the show, I'm like, I need to talk talk to Matt about, um, you know, mixing and mastering services because I am working on some stuff. But it's not metal. It's all it's all very rock and roll. Okay, fair enough. I'm open. I'm open to it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah well, anyway, I digress. Like back to hating on bass players, Snowy. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to sorry to interrupt that. Because Joe Joe Bench from Bolt Thrower, she's a pioneer along with Lori Bravo from Nuclear Death and all that. Like these are the two ladies when it comes to aggressive music that you immediately. As, as as you know, being of the original, okay, those are the two that immediately pop into my head. Take the what you see from Joe Bench, just as 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 a character, jeans, t-shirt, really cool, okay, and make that a pro wrestler in two days, because this this is it. This is the golden age of ladies professional wrestling. Okay, like, yeah, Wendy Richter was over big for the first WrestleMania, but there has never been this strong interest, you know, in women's wrestling as it has right now. For sure, yeah. You know, like, you know, between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair and and all that, it's just, it's, 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 it's over huge. Take Joe Bench. Charlotte Flair, I'm done. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) You, You take the Joe Bench persona, make her a female wrestler, and you got something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For Absolutely. sure. What do you guys got? Uh, well, uh, in terms of chicken shit heel managers, oh, it's going right. to be a bass player, right? No. <laughs> Michael Anthony from Van Halen. No. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've heard that guy speak. I've heard him sing, but I haven't heard him speak, I don't think. Yeah, anyway. yeah I don't think I've heard him speak either. Yeah, but anyway, chicken shit heel managers. Gonna have to go back with what we were talking about earlier, Jeff Waters. Yeah, that's what, uh, I, was that's what I was thinking. I think he, he would be he on the mic if you just let him he, go. He won't mm. talk shit to your face. He'll just get someone to do it for you. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, wow. If Jeff happens to be listening, well, just don't be a dick, dude. Yeah, <laughs> we'll pretty much. 
You did uh, need to rent other speakers for the speakers we already had. Oh, he told Jesus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, am I the only person right now hoping that Jeff is listening, and then we we I get an email know. from I him, and this becomes you. like our own wrestling kind of feud? <laughs> yes. And then next yeah. time they're at the park theater, like you guys, like do your own, like you know. They're not going to be back at the oh, park theater. They're not coming. No, they're we're not. not we're not bringing an island. Listen, back. don't don't ruin this for me because I want to see <laughs> Snowy in the luchador mask. Like you guys, oh. like all get together, it's like a battle royal. I can take Waters. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Waters is pretty short. Like I'm five foot nine, and he's shorter than me. So yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's and I hate I I hate to rag on the guy, but he kind of has it. He kind of has it coming. I remember the first time like you saw Annihilator, and it's just like, oh man, this band is great. This band is awesome. And then you kind of hear I'm the sorry. story. They only have one good song. Ah, oh, no, they've got her. 30 years of amazing music but it just he's kind of a one good son he's he's <laughs> kind of a butt <laughs> allison hell that's it <laughs> no. like the entire never neverland album is great too like oh for sure you know yeah. who i think be a fun manager dave mustaine mm-hmm. yeah because yeah, he, like... he's got that cocky you know, like, like I feel like he'd be a really, really fun manager to piss people off. Yeah, I know like one. I know eight, one. Eighties Mustang with that, yeah, with that snarl in his voice. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, even today's Mustang. Piss you off too. Uh, what's your lucky? Axel Rose. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, he was. He was like he would. He would, he would make it, like his his persona. Would be good for like 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 a young bucks or a rock and roll express type. Yeah, you know that. that well, actually, it reminds me of that Eva Marie gimmick where she would like, or the the the, in, the they'd have this like big introduction for her to be like, like just be hyping her up. It's like Eva Marie will not be seen tonight. Yeah, <laughs> that's Axel. Yeah, even though you paid a hundred dollars to see yeah. Axel Rose. Um, he might not make it out here tonight. He's still yeah. in his dressing room. And even though you took public transportation and he didn't go on stage until after public transportation stopped. Oh <laughs> God, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> well, that's trust me. Oh, we've we've we did our share of axle bashing on this show over the years, uh, and it's all it's all justified. Oh, Snowy, were you at the Wasp show at the Pyramid? Like years I was. Ago. I was. They didn't go on stage until four in the fucking morning. <laughs> <Ugh. Hey. laughs> well, the next time yeah. someone from Wasp shows up, that shit won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Not. No, for sure, for sure. Someone that I'm thinking would be would make a perfect manager, really good mouthpiece for something a little on the dark side. Okay, and he's actually got experience at WrestleMania, but Alice Cooper. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, you know, like like that. That's perfect. And I believe we already spoke about Alice Cooper at WrestleMania three, where he, he brought the snake in. After, you know, he was in the corner of Jake the Snake Roberts against the Honky Tonk Man. I forgot about Jake the Snake. Yeah. <laughs> See, you remember more about pro wrestling than you than you kind of let on at the beginning there. Yeah. I knew a lot of this would kind of but like they had that connection because Jake had Damien and Alice had his snakes and 
and all that. And it was in Detroit at the Pontiac Silver Dome and all that. So it worked. It worked really well. Now you, like, if there's anyone that knows how to talk, it's Alice Cooper. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I can listen to that. I can listen to Alice Cooper just read the phone book. Okay. Yeah. I'll yeah. I'll buy I'll buy a ticket to that. Okay. So now imagine if you will, you know, Alice cutting the promos, you know, for like Abyss or Crazy Steve over like in in Impact Wrestling. Or Alistair Black. Alistair Black, there we go. Okay, see, yeah. there's there there's a name that we definitely have to have on Wrestling Night in Canada or even Radioactive Metal as well because there's a dude that's legit, a legit metalhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alistair Black had an Instagram post where he was holding up a, a copy of the new Heathen album, I believe. Oh, so, get out of yep. here. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. There was also, I go through, like, the last, one of the last times I looked at his instagram too there's an old one of him holding like one of the first gorgoroth vinyls it's like yes <laughs> oh shit oh, is he married to again selena vega right right yeah. wow nice nice yeah so alice cooper I, yep it, it's 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 perfect it's perfect what is. what do you guys got uh well, I also had Corpse Grinder on my list. Uh, I thought for like a like a one of those like smaller guys who could fly around the ring, Jason Newstead. Oh <laughs> yeah. Because if, if you've ever watched live shit, binge and purge the Metallica DVDs, right. Jason Newstead does not stop the entire time, and he's just <laughs> he's just like a I don't know maybe he was on cocaine I don't know it's not my business but right. <laughs> but yeah like seeing that Jason Newstead from the late 80s, early 90s, like, in a wrestling ring, like, clotheslining people, jumping off top ropes. I can see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, in, in a- AEW, because, like, uh, um, with guys like Jungle Boy and the, Dark, and, Dark, and yeah. the young and, and the young Bucks, I think, yeah. I think Newstead would fit in, you know, with that, that cruiserweight, for the lack of a better term. Speaking, yeah. of, speaking of the young Bucks, Dave Meltzer... Rated their match on AEW five stars this week. Oh, of course he did. Yeah. Well. Okay. Okay. It's, yeah. Oh my okay. God! Super kick five star. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. For all of our all of our non wrestling fans listening to this, okay, you don't need to know who Dave Meltzer is. Okay, don't worry about no, it. No, you don't. Just don't, <laughs> worry. <laughs> don't worry about he it. Rated Randy yeah. Orton versus the Fiend at WrestleMania a minus one. <laughs> well, I don't doubt that, and I'll give him props for that. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure it was the physical shits. Well, the yeah, Dave Meltzer hands out five star matches like Oprah hands out new cars or whatever the hell she does. I don't know. <laughs> you get five stars, and you get five, <laughs> you get five stars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if it's a W, sorry, sorry, match, Aaron, we kind maybe of... four. Yeah. <laughs> We we have to give Aaron lots of props, you know, and a big horns up for, for, for putting up with us tonight. I'm <laughs> yeah, just jumping in where I can, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm just I was just the whole day as I'm you know I'm writing this show and I'm thinking about it. It's like I I I, I want to, we have to make sure that Aaron doesn't get left out and all that. Yeah. But you're holding your own. We appreciate it. I know, and then you got to go rag on all the bass players. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. Since you know, women's wrestling is over big right now, and I don't know. Maybe when she was younger, okay, she might have been a good in-ring performer. She definitely would find her niche much in pro wrestling, much the way Nasty Ronnie did, as you heard what he did in tonight's Creature Feature and all that. Do you not see Wendy O. Williams doing the same stuff? Like, like, like this is a, she's larger than life. Okay. And, and her, her outfits and her attitude screams pro wrestling. I hear sirens. Did Jeff Waters call him on it? I wasn't going to mention those, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, this is just me living in the north end of Winnipeg, which is yeah, like I've been living in. Yeah, it's kind of like living in the south side of L.A., shall we say, mm-hmm. sometimes. I mm-hmm. really doubt that. <laughs> I do, too, yes. Well, come, come visit sometime. <laughs> I, we'll take a stroll. Listen, man. We'll take a stroll. I'm in the good side of south side of L.A. I, you know just... what? I would be fascinated to to come see your, your bad spots. Because, like, um... <laughs> if you survive it. Yeah. No, yeah, oh, you no. know, like I'm, I'm always interested to to experience like different bad areas of, of cities because it's it's all perspective. Like, um, I so I can't remember if we've talked about this on the show before, but so I dated this girl that was a Mormon, and that's a whole another story. <laughs> um, uh-huh. but so she was hanging out with me, and we're going to like you know hardcore shows and all sorts of stuff. I introduced her to her first pit. And she went to school in at Brigham Young University in Utah. And there was the bad area. And nobody wanted to go to the Denny's in the bad area. And, you know, we were talking on the phone. She's like, she's like, you take me to worse places than that all the time. <laughs> I told him, I'm like, let's go. It's fine. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm just always curious, curious to get perspective on, on those kind of things. Uh, let's put it this way. The, the like... The neighborhood right across from mine is like the ghetto, and it's probably paradise compared to the ghettos of New York and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, well, for sure. I know some shit went like went, like where I used to live in the North End on Redwood and Salter. Some shit went down there like the week after I moved out. So okay, yeah. there like a, wasn't there like a double shooting the week after? Yeah, you moved some there? some guy got shot like three houses down from where I was living. Right, like oh, a couple weeks after I moved out of there. <laughs> So, uh, good timing on my part. <laughs> yeah, you got out of Dodge just a time. Yeah, sure. Dude, right after we moved here, like, um, two neighborhoods down, some guy shot his girlfriend and his baby. Um, oh, like, oh, through his shit. girlfriend, right? Oh, my God, she's pregnant. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, the baby, like, the bullet went through her into the baby. Oh. Like, the baby, yeah, like, like, it was, like, like a few months old, yeah. Like so, we had that shit gone. A couple weeks before that, we had um, the Harris Teeter that I shop at a grocery store. Some guy, um, I, I, he was he was mentally unstable. Gets out of his truck and shoots the lady in the face behind him. Um, wow. and we're supposed to be in a nice neighborhood. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. that's the crazy shit here, yeah, man. Yeah, like some, some of the weird ass never... shootings we've had. Yeah. Wow. No, I I'm never concerned about being shot here. Like it just doesn't. It, it's being stabbed here. 
Yeah, well, you know, stabbed like... or like, like, but I've like I've spent enough time and like we're way off topic here, but I've spent enough time on the mean streets of Winnipeg that I can kind of tell from a thirty feet distance. Okay, this person was cool. This one might be okay. Okay, I'm gonna cross the street and avoid this person. Well, like now I'm 30, curious. Like when we say like knives, we're talking butterfly knife, like a Bowie knife, hunting know. knife. <laughs> like, like, what's here, the man. knife of choice? Machetes here. Oh, okay. So that's that's real serious. That's good. That's a step up. Because like, because yeah, I mean, I grew up having to worry about being stabbed, but it was normally a concealable blade. Security shift I did at Portage Place. Matt and Snowy know what Portage Place is. Yeah, yeah. it's a big, big, big mall downtown. I mm. was. Uh, working at the Shoppers Drug Mart in there, and I was standing in like the exp- the more expensive section where all the makeup is and shit. And three guys ran through with machetes. I'm just like, take whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're not paying Damn. me enough. Nope. Fuck yeah. that. Have it. Mm-hmm. Were they? Do yeah, like, you think they were like high? Because I feel like that's like a like oh, let's get high, grab machete, uh-huh. and go cause some shit. I'm sure that you mentioned meth. Apparently, Winnipeg is good for meth. I've yeah. never seen it with my own eyes, though. I, I, oh, I don't know good. what meth looks like. I, yeah, it's I don't know. It's good for meth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, good, good for meth. Yeah. So, I say bad for meth. <laughs> since, uh, yeah. since Ducky mentioned the drug mart, I did have a question. Um, like, you know, now that marijuana is legal up there, do you guys do like like maple leaf, marijuana leaf, like cross hybrids? Uh, I haven't had any yet. <laughs> it's, 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 not really, it's, it's not really my thing. I was never like when I was a teenager, you know, I would smoke a few joints and all that. But uh, it's not really my thing. Like, really? Like, I, I, li- I, I like my lemmies. I like I like my jack. Yeah. I like my beer too, but I also like my weed. And I anything I learn about weed is my our former co-host on WNIC, yeah. Mike Mason, just tells me all about that stuff. So, yeah, right, right, yeah. And of course, radioactive metal listeners know who Mike is. We've had him oh, on right. in humans for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, right, right. So, does anyone have any other uh, metal artists that would make? cool pro wrestlers what do you think uh, about joan jett and lita ford there's the tag team yep. there is the tag team right there and it would be the same way as like like we mentioned joe bench from bolt thrower just let the let them come in jeans t-shirt leather, leather jacket give them a rock and roll tag team i would cheer for that i yeah. will always cheer for lita oh. ford Joan, Joan Jett did play. Yeah, Joan Jett did play uh, Ronda Rousey to the ring at WrestleMania 35 a couple oh, years ago. Oh shit, that's she... right. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. Ronda Rousey's music was bad reputation. Right. So, and oh, Ronda Rousey's totally one badass woman. Like, yeah, she is nobody to fuck with. Oh no, yeah. that was the, I think that was the last time we saw her in a WWE ring. Was it? Apparently, she's coming back soon. Unfortunately. Oh, okay. Oh, a two-year break. That's that's enough for okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like to tease Mrs. Snowy. Like, okay, like if 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 a girl beats you up, it's foreplay. Okay. Yeah. Not not the case with Ronda Rousey. No. She'll just snap your arm in five <laughs> just, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're yeah. gonna be using the safe word pretty quick. 
Uh, pretty. Yeah, it's all about consent. Yeah. It's all about consent. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, that's, that's, I never even thought of that. Now, I'm kind of pissed that I didn't. That would have been a really good one two punch, Jet and Ford. And like, like Joe Jet and Lita Ford, those are wrestling names. Yeah. I got two, that would be two good hardcore wrestlers. Oh, of course you do. If, if anyone that's going to talk about hardcore wrestling tonight, <laughs> like it's you. Okay, dude, what you got? Um, again, I don't know their actual names because I'm terrible at that shit. Uh, the vocalist for Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, Greg. Uh, yeah. Yeah, name. yeah. Yeah, I can't think uh, of his last name hey. either, and I'm a fan. Yeah. Starts with a P, I think. They're so <sighs> good live. Holy shit. I saw yes. Dude, I fucking love those guys. Yeah. Uh, and the vocalist for Japanese metal band Duran Gray. Oh, Duran Gray, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he he's always like fucking himself up on stage and shit. So yeah. <laughs> Lovely. There's 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 probably a lot of metal musicians and hard hardcore punk musicians as well that could probably are more inclined to do the death match and the hardcore stuff. What about More, what about? I know, you know he's dead now, but what about Gigi Allen? Oh, oh yeah, God. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> you you would have to tone him down a bit for television. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. human decency. He'd be an indie. Guy. He'd be an indie. Hey, yeah, yeah, he would be an indie guy. <laughs> yeah, but just leave the feces out of it. That's just yeah. 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 See that's. He's like there, okay. There and, was it, a bag of dog poop used in a match once. Ew. Yeah. It was in CZW. It was of Sammy. It was. <laughs> it was Sammy Callahan versus Adam Cole. Oh Jesus Christ! Really? And Adam Cole got power bombed onto it. Ew. Okay, um, I, I expect that from Sally Cal some from Callahan. I don't expect that from Cole though. No. Well, thankfully he's moved past that. So yeah, I think I think they 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 both have. Yeah, mm-hmm. fucking G- okay. Gigi Allen, he's one of those. And Aaron and I, we've talked about this in a roundabout way on radioactive metal before. Like just like our our dirty little secrets, like our 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 dirty laundry that we don't want to talk about. I don't talk about Gigi Allen to normies. Mm, yeah. There's, yeah. Hey, guess what? There... I just sent a match to the Wrestling Night in Canada chat. Okay. And I will okay. also send it to Aaron right now. Okay. What? What's that? Oh, oh, the shit match. Okay. Oh. It's not called a shit match. There was just a bag of dog poop under the ring. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. When I woke up this morning, I honestly, I knew I was going to be talking about some shit. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be literally talking about shit tonight. <laughs> if you look at the thumbnail of the video, like open the chat and look at it, that's a pretty good reaction to being powerbombed on a bag of dog shit. I'll look at it later. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me, I'll give me strength. So here's the funny part: <laughs> the fact that you know so much about this. Um, Ducky goes back to what how I introduced you on the first episode you're on, where I said that you are the expert in the fact that shit does indeed happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, uh, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 but uh, um, 
do we have any more suggestions or are we going to drop uh, some energy? I was <laughs> I don't want to leave it at the shit talk. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank say, you. I was going to say these these three guys, these three metal musicians had their own like kind of name for themselves like within their own band and it could also translate over to pro wrestling because we've seen a lot of like triple uh teams like three three guy teams stables if you will right uh, i'm talking birds. about yeah the free bird rule yeah we, we use a free bird rule on these guys but uh talking of course about tom hunting rick hunalt and gary holt from exodus the h team <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh i like that the h team yeah yeah, because those three were known about were known as that back when Exodus was like in the eighties when Rick Hunolt was still on the band. Right. Yeah, the H the H team was hunting Holton Hunolt. Ah, yeah, yeah, and we want to give a, uh, a a shout out, and we're in your corner, guy, to uh, to Mister Hunting as well for yes. his for his for his battles, and of course, Hunting Mister Hunting has been. He's a radioactive metal alum as well. We've had him on the show. He's a fantastic guy. Mm-hmm. He he um he was host for our former co-hosts Rock and Kareen. and he treated us just like royalty when we went backstage at the Slayer show to interview him and all that. So yeah, just a fantastic guy. He's having some challenges in life right now and we uh want all of our listeners just to keep him in your thoughts your prayers send out good vibes or whatever it is you're going to do whatever it is you're going to believe you know mr hunting can definitely use it right now anyone um have anything else uh well with what's with that statement about tom hunting i just want to say fuck cancer because well yeah, fuck definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More than ever. So we're going to switch gears here, and we're going to put a little smile on our face because I'm going to drop a track from the mighty pile driver. The title track from the classic Metal Inquisition. <laughs> fuck yeah.
There's some more good old wrestling tunes right there. That is Eat the Turnbuckle with ladders, tables, and chairs. And, of course, we've had this band on Radioactive Metal before because the vocalist for Eat the Turnbuckle is none other than the Deathmatch hardcore wrestler Shellac, who is in a number of really cool grindcore bands. And of course, um, horror pain, gore, horror pain, gore, death. We kind of put out a compilation of all of shellac's bands last year. We played it on the show and it's definitely, that's a dude that we want to have on the show. Like shellac. Shellac. You know, (laughs) and and one of these times as well, we have to sit down with Aaron and we have to show him a shellac death match. We can show him yeah. of a Valentine death match too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Valentine versus shellac death match. There we are. <laughs> One and of there... their many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. sure you've got them all memorized, Ducky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> And before that, well, that was the legendary anti-scene from their new blood record with exploding barbed wire deathmatch. There you go, Ducky. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's, I mean, that's barb- I mean, that song's probably better than the explosion at the end of Moxley and Omega, but all right. <laughs> well, many oh. things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow was better than that fucking explosion. <laughs> it definitely was. Yeah, yeah. And of course, for all of our listeners that might not know what we're talking about, the last AEW pay per view, they kind of promised like an exploding ring and a ring, and we kind of just got a bunch of sparklers and part sparklers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was not a lot of fun. What what was a lot of fun though was having you two guys on radioactive metal tonight. This was uh I I knew I was gonna have a good time. Aaron, what about you? Oh hell yeah, man. It was a great time. Yeah, yeah. I think uh maybe next year we gotta have you guys on again. In order to get us on out of here, we're gonna go out on a track from the Mighty Hallows Eve. More contemporaries from Nasty Savage. There, uh, we'll go. We're gonna go for it with a track, Lethal Tendencies from their Death and Insanity record. That song, just kind of as a piece of trivia, appeared on the River's Edge soundtrack. Are you guys familiar with the movie River's Edge? Does that mean anything to you guys? It, does. it sounds familiar. Yeah, name's familiar. Can't put a poster oh, to it though. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, that 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 was pre Bill and Ted Keanu Reeves. Okay. <gasps> I mean, they, like like people people's first first uh, memory of Keanu Reeves is Bill and Ted. Maybe the Matrix. Mm-hmm. The rivers. The Rivers Edge though was the first movie, and I think it might have been Reeves' first first film. Okay. I got into that movie because of the soundtrack, particularly the Slayer tunes from the Show No Mercy album. That came Mm. to my attention through that. And then when the movie came out on VHS, I went to the video store. Okay. (laughs) I rented the VHS 
And it's like, oh, shit, yeah, this has all this cool metal in it as well. All these cool old Slayer songs and all that. Who's this Keanu Reeves guy? This guy might have a future. <laughs> sure, sure enough. So it was obviously, it was obviously because Keanu got the rub from Hallow's Eve, he became a big star. Like, come on. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be realistic. <laughs> so, so Keanu, you got to give Hallow's Eve the big horns up for everything that they did to help you um, get on the map. How can uh, people get a hold of us, dude? Well, they're going to use the magic of the internet to contact us across electrical waves. Unless they're in Canada, in which case they will send us a message via moose mail. <laughs> Moose mail. I told you. I told you you were in for a night of this. Yeah, I I had to make sure. I mean, we set it up like I I had to get something in because I've been pretty tame as far as episodes go tonight. But I, I had to I get in the moose mail. She stands for goose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but um, you, let's see. You mean the fucking like murder bird? Yeah. Chicken cobra, cobra chicken. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right, cobra chicken. Yeah. Oh, I, I do like I, cobra I, chicken. I, That's a great name. Oh. I was attacked by one of those fucking things last week. Okay. Oh, like, okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, I have to share this. Okay. Like the, the Canadian geese are now back. Okay. Oh, they're, yeah. back, they're, they're back. They're back. And I'm not going to lie. I was laughing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> they're now back up north. They're nesting. They're mating. They're, they're reproducing and all that. On my way home, on my walk home from uh, from money job, okay, I was walking my usual route, and I'm like, I'm I'm not stupid, like when it comes to these things. I'm Canadian through and through. I know that Canadian geese are dangerous animals, <clears throat> and so I'm always weary of what's going on. I'm always on the lookout because I know it's that time of year, okay. There is nothing around me. Okay, all of a sudden, okay, boom, just out of nowhere, there's this big fucking goose hissing at me and honking at me, flying around my head. I, I had the headphones on. I was listening to Jim Cornette, his podcast. Okay. okay. And I can hear him hissing in my ear, the, the wings flapping, and I'm pushing him away and all that. I'm trying, okay. I'm, I take a couple steps back. I'm trying to walk away because I don't want to get into it with Mr. Goose, okay? <laughs> so I, I, I'm walking away, but as I'm doing that, he's still coming at me because trying to avoid him, I'm actually walking closer to the nest, oh. which I didn't even see was there. So I changed direction, and this goose is still coming at me, honking and hissing and all that. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, here we go. Okay, Mr. Goose. This is how this is going to work, okay? You have to just let me walk away because I don't care about your woman. I don't care about your nest or anything. I just want to go home and watch wrestling, okay? But if you keep coming at me, I'm going to kill you, okay? <laughs> like, I hate to say it, but don't make me defend myself because I'm the higher life form. <laughs> and throw it under fisticuffs with a goose. Yeah, you know, and what's going to happen here is I'm going to end up killing you, okay? And then I'm going to have to go to the hospital for a tetanus shot, mm -hmm. you know, 
<laughs> like, Why do you have a my... broken arm? Uh, fucking okay, dude. see, see, that's that's another thing. Like people see these geese and they're all docile and all that until they get aggressive. Like Why? they are. You should be getting your tetanus shot regularly anyway. That's an important thing. Anyways, yeah, for people. (laughs) Anyways, Two, um, this is how I know you're a city boy. Because anybody that I grew up with, where where I grew up with, that would have told me that story, would have been like, so we're having goose tonight for dinner. (laughs) Oh, I've had goose. And I've I've grown up in small towns and small communities. Uh, You're missing the point. They would have, like, the, the story would have ended with, um, yeah, so he's flying around my head. But hey, you want to come over for the goose dinner tonight? Uh, <laughs> I killed it myself. Well, that's probably exactly. what would have happened. <laughs> Isn't it illegal to kill geese in Canada? It Are probably they? is, but if I'm yeah. defending myself... It's yeah. self-defense. This feels like that South Park episode. It's coming right for me! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, fortunately, Mr. Goose decided oh, I really shit. wasn't worth it. <laughs> and he kind of, we kind of went about our ways. Well, he's totally wrong. Uh, you're uh, so worth it. Yeah. I was, I was kind of hesitant. Do I tell Aaron this story? Because I'm never going to hear the end of it now. Oh yeah. You're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. I mean, you yeah. know, like even, even the geese in Canada are attacking you. Don't they know you're the fucking mayor of Winnipeg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess not, dude. Yeah, How man. can... People get a hold of us. Oh, right. That's what we were doing. I'm like, what the hell? How do we get onto this one? All right. So Facebook.com slash Rad Metal. Go there. Check us out. Drop us a line. Whatever you want to do. If you want to see pictures of all the fun things that Snowy's talking about, especially pictures of those fun things posed with the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, go to at Rad Metal 666 on both the Instagram and the Twitter. Twitter is much sparser. Every now and then we put some stuff up there, but... Like, if you're, like, you know, going to make a life decision on whether or not we post on Twitter, that's a bad decision in general because it's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, right. So go to those places. You can find us, iTunes, Stitcher, all sorts of different podcasting places. And thanks to the fabulous folks at the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com, where you hear the other version of this, Radioactive Wrestling Night in Canada. Um <laughs> there we are that's a cool name you know but um so thanks to the shine wizards network you will also find us on spotify along with all the other fabulous podcasts that are part of that network so it's a party it's a great time that's Mm. weird for me listening to like my voice on spotify it weirds me out oh yeah Yeah. i I can't listen to my own voice back like i I used to listen to the shows early on i'm like no i can't do it I listen yeah. to like the first maybe ten we did, and then I'm just like, mm, no, yeah, yeah. I, don't like, I don't like hearing I myself. I get to like to I get to the intro of Snowy talking, and then I go, and I'm Dustin Maruka, and I'm like, next, no, yeah. can't, can't do it. I totally feel it. I get it. I get yeah. it. I get it. I get it. Oh, yeah, right. Anyway, so um, fuck. Where was I? Pure Rock Radio. Oh yeah, PureRockRadio.net. Here's first every Thursday night. PureRockRadio.net. Thanks to St. Rich. And I feel like that's everything except for the fact that if you are, you know, looking forward to experiencing the moose mail, you get a carrier pigeon here in the States. You wrap the little letter around its leg and you say, take this to Snowy White. It flies to the border. It hooks up with a moose there. 
the moose will then get it to the nearest Canadian goose, and that's actually what Snowy was fighting because I was trying to send him a letter, and he just <laughs> like to be male. Yeah. he was just yeah he was just beating off beating the goose back. He's like no no I'm like, like asshole, I have yeah that's me. why the last letter I sent Snowy is marked return to sender. Now I understand the full story because you know he, he refused the moose to goose transfer. Huh. Well, right. <laughs> fair enough. Now we okay. Know Funny fucking song title right there. Moose to Goose Transfer. Moose to Goose Transfer. There we are. There we are. Moose to Goose. That, that is a good one. That was, that was totally spontaneous. Right on. Right on. Okay, okay, Matt. God help these people if if they want to listen to Wrestling Night in Canada. How can people get a hold of us there? They can get a hold of us at facebook.com slash wrestling night in Canada or on Instagram at wrestling night in Canada. Right on, right on. In the meantime, okay, no, you know, before I before I said this once again, thank thank you so much, guys, for coming out and hanging out and educating Aaron in the wonderful world of pro wrestling here. I uh, sure. I had an absolute blast. We definitely have to do this again. And before yeah. we get on out of here and drop that Hallow's Eve track, I want to say hello, happy birthday. To one Taylor Grotesque up here in Winnipeg. She's a really cool um, tattoo artist. She's a good Facebook friend of mine. Her shop, Odin's Eye Tattoo and Piercing, got um, broken into the other day. And she had some of her equipment and personal properties stolen right before her birthday today. Oh, as we speak, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. So we want to, uh, we kind of want to make this a little extra special for her and saying hello, happy birthday, and horns up, and we're going to dedicate said Hallow's Eve tune to you. In the meantime, and in between time, that's it. This has been a get in the ring, motherfucker episode of radioactive metal i'm snowy white and this is aaron and i'm not your names too <laughs> uh, i'm matt copper <laughs> i'm dustin maruka that's <laughs> so again thank you so much guys love you so much signing off and we're from winnipeg you idiots
of death.